Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thanks, you guys, for uh, coming by. We're having a discussion tonight on is there evidence for God? Uh, We have Tom Jump, Skylar Fiction, Greg, and Praise I Am That I Am. And we're going to get started here in a minute. If this is your first time uh, by the channel, please hit the subscribe button. Hit like on this video if you like these types of discussions. We want to make sure everybody has a fair and equal playing ground here to have our discussion. And uh, everyone gets to be heard. Now, with that, we're going to start with uh, six minutes for each person. That's 12 minutes per side. Uh, We're going to start with the Christians to kind of give an opening and uh, let everybody know where they stand. Then we'll kick it over to the other side. Then we will jump to open discussion and then to a Q&A. So if you have any questions, just shoot them into the live chat and I will um, save those to the end. Also, if you have a super chat, we'll kick it to the top of the list. With that, we'll go ahead and get started. Praise, you want to start us off? Or Greg? Um, It's up to Greg, you know. Uh, You can start, Praise. Yeah, so I appreciate uh, Modern Day for having me and this opportunity to have a discussion with Skylar T-Jump on evidence of God. But my channel is is mostly focused towards apologetics, defending the Christian faith. And um, so I plan on, you know, providing some evidence for God tonight. We'll see how it all goes. Thank you. Awesome. Go ahead. Greg. Uh, aren't you going first? Y- y- oh, uh, we're doing, are we doing introductions here? Or? Uh, go, uh, go ahead and, uh, um, and we'll just kick it over to you to start us off with an opening statement. Um, pray. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, so I'm going to share my screen real quick. Mm-hmm. Can you guys see that? Um, yeah, yeah, I can see it. All right, cool, cool. So, uh, this is this this tonight's debate is on evidence for God, and the contents of this presentation starts out with atheists disqualify themselves from being arbiters of evidence. The next part is evidence for God and PSI. The last part is evidence for God and documented miracles. So, the first off. Why atheists cannot be arbiters for evidence of God? Atheists have no basis to qualify or disqualify something as being evidence for God because they don't even know what constitutes evidence for God in the first place. What convinces them is ultimately unfalsifiable, therefore cannot be used as grounds to dictate rather something is evidence of God or not. Scientists merely conduct experiments and record data so they cannot be used as arbiters of evidence for God. Since the data requires extrapolation interpretation, there must be an objective framework in place to justify something is evidential. And we have these buzzwords, evidence, proof, 
But here's the thing. Evidence presupposes an objective metaphysic because it is conceptual in nature and axiomatic epistemologically. Therefore, through process of elimination by virtue of syllogism, atheists unwittingly negate themselves from grounding such axioms as evidence or proof because science only deals with approximations and probabilities. In order to measure probabilities and approximations empirically, there must be an objective standard in which results are weighed against. Since the materialist worldview cannot account for distinguishing objectively true propositions from false ones, therefore only the Christian worldview can. Now I'm going to get into parapsychology's evidence for God. The peer-reviewed paper pictured below it provides extensive evidence for PSI, known as parapsychology. What does PI, PSI consist of? The definition straight from Webster's Dictionary is as follows. A field of study concerned with investigation of evidence for the paranormal, telepathy, clairvoyance, and psychokinesis. The paranormal, by definition, means supernatural, or what is beyond science. As T.N. Meyer lays out in his book, Jesus Christ, Super Psychic, a bold explanation of biblical mysteries from the viewpoint of parapsychology, Jesus is not only the only religious character to champion parapsychology by exhibiting discarnate spirits, clairvoyance, clair... Uh, clear audience, precognitions, apparitions, apports, dematerialization, out-of-body experiences, and and influences from the etheric realm. But he, but he's not only that; he's the only one historically to do that. However, what's incredible is the amount of evidence for PSI is paralleled with the field of general psychology, which means there's thousands upon thousands of papers as outlined by the paper shown below, which is called the Experimental Evidence for Parapsychological Phenomenon, a review, and here it is. I put it right there. And now here's a clip from Dr. Walter Von Lakadu, who is a PhD psychologist and physicist, speaking about an incident in parapsychology where someone is attacked by an apparition on TED Talk. So I'm going to pull this up. I'm going to blow it up. Uh, there we go. Very good. Uh, fierce poltergeist and the lady solved it. Well, I instructed her at the telephone and she uh, wrote me an email and described how she got rid of the poltergeist simply by knowing what I just told you. So can we get... I think that I can make the fortunate report that the poltergeist has vanished. My first assumption after the telephone conversation was that the house does not like me, and I do not like the house. But since the phenomenon did not disappear, I thought that this cannot be the problem. And besides, this would have been a known problem. When I looked through my notes, I found that all objects which were destroyed had a relation to my mother. To explain this, I must say that my mom and I had a very close relationship. With no other person, I have ever experienced that the line was occupied when I tried to phone her because she also tried to phone me. The first poltergeist phenomenon happened the night after Mother's Day this year. 
I was kicked by someone in bed. In this moment, I thought, Mom, help me. The same night, a vase on the table broke in four parts. It contained flowers for her. The photo that bounced against me showed Mom's dog. The flower pots that fell down were from her and also the cupboard. The marble table which broke when the bookshelf tilted also had a relation to my mother. During these days, we had enough time to talk to each other, and my feeling that she was not well during the last few months was confirmed. Last year, she tried to commit suicide and had told me that she was desperate. She tried to move to us, but she saw no possibility to do this. Now we try to find a home for her. I am rather sure that this was the solution. Well, if you ask me now why I didn't find it earlier, I don't know. Yet, it was so obvious. Thank you. Now, and, and then lastly, is miracles as evidence of God. Below is actual footage of a miracle of a guy named Dwayne Miller who has provided documentation that he was seen by over 63 specialists and their teams tolling over 200 doctors to be treated for incurable laryngitis. This case has been cited as a miracle. To say that every single person will always be healed because Jesus died on the cross is a misinterpretation of scripture. Not true. Won't work. Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about physical healing. I'm sorry. That's just not the context. And to impress that there causes a misinterpretation of scripture. That's wrong. On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again, is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in a box both ways. He doesn't want to be in the box. So, the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now, I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had, and you have had in times past, pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. So there it is, an actual miracle. His voice just changed right in the middle of a sermon. And with that, the rest belongs to my partner. All right, thanks so much for that praise. We'll kick it over to Greg. Let me just get a switch back here. All right. One sec. Let's remove that. There we go. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right. <clears throat> Should I just start now? Uh, yeah, go ahead and start. I'm, I just got to fix the clip real quick. All right, no problem. 
Yeah, go ahead and start, Greg, whenever you get ready, buddy. All right, thank you. So first off, I'd just like to say thank you to James for organizing this, and thank you to Converse for moderating it. So I'm really excited for this debate. You know, the question of whether or not God exists is one that has plagued humanity for thousands of years. Philosophers and theorists have all been at each other's throats for a minute. So, you know, I'm here today to present a case for why I believe it's probably the most likely explanation for the relevant data. Um, if that changes to another picture, then I'm more than happy to adjust my worldview. So the key here really isn't that a certainty that a God exists, but rather it is the most likely, you know, option here, most likely, you know, explanation for all the data. So first off, before we start, we need to make one thing clear. We need to try and not do a God, of, what is called a God of the gaps fallacy. That is where you take, you know, just any old supernatural phenomena and, uh, uh, sorry, scientific uh, data or gaps in uh, scientific theory and insert a supernatural explanation for it. Um, that's a problem. So like take intelligent design, for instance, right? I think that suffers from the God of the gaps fallacy where you um, have uh, unexplained, you know, you have like a hole in evolution and then you uh, put a God into it. We're going to try not to do that. So I have two arguments today. One is the Leibnizian um, cosmological argument and the moral argument. So the Leibnizian cosmological argument is essentially premise one, everything that exists as an explanation of its existence. Um, this is commonly known as the principle of sufficient reason. And um, it wouldn't and it would be ad hoc to attack it because because you'd also have to accept it in order to attack it because um, people generally accept that there is sufficient reason for the logical conclusions that we form. Um, the second premise is the universe exists. And that that would probably be if we're um, going by a rational discourse here. That's probably the most uh, you know reasonable option to go by um, if we're trying to get anywhere. Really, um, the third premise is therefore the universe has an explanation of its existence since it exists. Premise four: if the universe has an explanation of its existence, um, that explanation would most likely be a deity known as God. The reasons for this would be um, that, uh, for instance, the universe I argue is contingent. I have a few papers uh, on it which, uh, demonstra which demonstrate that. And uh, due to that, and since uh, and we have a contingent you know, set of things um, that you know, all causally explain each other, and that can't go on inf infinitely due to various problems with the infinity, which I'm happy to go over in this discussion. Um, and therefore, it must be a necessary explanation for the, uh, for the contingent explanations. And I would argue that this explanation is uh, moral is necess as necessary. Um, agent um, agent causation would follow um, instead of event causation, so I would argue that it's an agent, and that's more or less um, what would generally be considered a god. It's also non-physical because it can't be made of any substances we know of in the universe, since um, it would be made of contingent substances. Therefore, not making it necessary, and this is you know more or less closer to what people generally accept you know as a god. And the second argument I would have is the moral argument, which is that morality is a rational enterprise. Um, I think I think you both would agree with this, which is that if you guys are cognitivists, I have a few arguments. If you do, if you guys disagree with that, I'm more than happy to go over it. That moral realism is true, um, as has been demonstrated uh, through something called the argument from epistemic realism. I'm also happy to go over that um, throughout the debate. And the fact that the moral, the moral problems and disagreements amongst humans are too much for us to assume that these are grounded in humanity. 
um, and therefore they're grounded in a necessary rational source. And that source is also what we generally consider to be a God. Um, and yet those two are my arguments. Um, I think those are the, I think God would not be the utmost, you know, necessary must be uh, the solution to it because some of these premises might not be true. For instance, we might find out that actually morality is, moral realism is not intuitive. Um, we might find out that the universe is actually necessary if any papers come through. And if that's the case, then these arguments would be invalid and uh, unsound. But other than that, yeah, that, that would pretty much conclude my opening statement. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much for that. Now we'll just kick it over to the other side. Sure. Uh, I'll start. So everything Prez said was bullcrap. Um, atheists can differentiate imagination from reality perfectly fine. It's not a problem. You don't need an absolute certainty. You don't need grounds for knowledge. Prez just doesn't understand the philosophy behind it. Not a problem. Um Parapsychology is a quack science. Uh, it's not indicative of the supernatural at all. It's just indicative of an unknown natural thing. That's it. Uh, there's no evidence that it's connected to a god. They're just unexplained phenomenon, which is why the vast majority of experts in every academic field reject it. Once they publish papers that can actually demonstrate it exists, that's perfectly fine. Until then, it's it's a, just a god of the gaps, as Gregory accurately pointed out. We can't just add god of the gaps and oh, here's something that can't explain, therefore god, not evidence. The video of the guy getting his voice back, yeah, that's happened to me in like three different videos where I lost my voice and got it back. There's nothing special about that at all. It's just when your voice dries out, especially when you're crying like he was, the liquid covers the back of your voice and makes it easier to talk. Not a miracle. Common practice in every science. We know it, which is why that was never published in the academic paper on parapsychology. It's not evidence of miracles. It's just a guy got his voice back. Nothing special. Uh, the two arguments that Gregory listed Leibniz in cosmological argument. Um, PSR is rejected by most philosophers. It's a highly controversial principle. It really isn't accepted at all, except by theologians. That's it. So it doesn't actually have any application whatsoever. Um, we agree that the universe had a beginning and that that beginning was probably a natural beginning by the consensus of every expert in every field of physics, cosmology, everything related to the universe. So you don't need a God for that at all. God doesn't even work for that. And if you think God does work that, we can just apply the same solution to the natural universe and it works better. So literally doesn't work for God at all. Moral argument, I agree in moral realism, unlike Skyler. Skyler is not a moral realist. So, but that doesn't indicate a God either. You can have moral realism without a God. Vast majority of philosophers are moral realists and atheists. You don't, you don't need a God for that either. So even if moralism was true, doesn't indicate a God. But I would like to hear what his argument, Gregory's argument was the epistemic something or another. Uh, so I'll hand it over to Skyler. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to have too much more to say. I think Tom kind of hit hit right the nail on the head there. Uh, yeah, I, 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 there's a couple of things I found odd about Praise's argument. We're having a general God debate and Basically, we made an argument for the Christian God in so many ways. I, that really wasn't what the debate topic is. It's what I wanted to debate. But anyways, uh, so the other thing is, yeah, yeah, people change their voices. Yeah, people can pretend we have people that make a living literally doing different voices for people. Uh, I felt that was really just more of a video about preaching to somebody. Yeah, I, I, I go with uh, paranormal's BS also. Uh, yeah, precepts just kind of boring, right? Just because the, the theist is going to have an empty claim in the end. They're just going to say that God gives them special knowledge of some form, an undemonstrable claim. And then they're going to try to hold the non-believer to that standard and say, well, you can't, you know, account for anything, which, yeah, I don't, I don't really find too compelling. Uh, 
uh, yeah, I, I'm more interested to kind of hear some of the stuff uh, Greg had said. I'm not a moral realist, as Tom has already articulated. So uh, I don't, I, I didn't find that that argument very compelling. But yeah, I think we'll we'll leave it at that. Really much to say. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and kick it over to the open discussion. That's okay with both sides, and yeah, we'll get right into it. Uh, Actually, it just, I'd like to start with Greg. So if Greg yeah, could, sure. he said he had an argument for moral realism. I'd like to hear that. All right, yeah. So my argument for moral realism would be the argument, yeah, the argument from epistemic realism, which is that um, moral facts behave in similar ways to epistemic facts, such as you know, you know, like like epi- like an epistemic duty. Let's just say is uh, you know not strawmanning each other, you know, not not misrepresenting positions, things like that. Um, and you ought not to in order to follow logical principles. And that's it's similar in some ways to moral, and that's similar to moral facts. Um. So, you know, epistemic odds and moral odds, since they, um, they're they Id- almost identical in how they operate, I would say uh, um, that that uh, moral realism would probably most likely be true based on this fact. This is not the best argument, honestly. Uh, honestly. I think the better and a better argument would be the argument from intuition, which is uh, that uh, since, mor- since morality is intuitive, um, and I have a few papers on that, uh, since it's intuitive, then that would be on the then the burden would be on the moral skeptic uh, to provide an argument, um, to provide a defeater um, against against the intuition. Um, those are, those would be my two main arguments. I don't think moral realism is the most is the best supported uh, theory, but I think it's most probable based on the arguments. Yeah. So your first argument uh, doesn't work, even if moral facts work in the same way as epistemic facts. That doesn't mean they're objectively true. It's just a system of language. So epistemic facts are just a system we've made up in our heads to do things. So if you want to be logical, you follow the system of logic. That doesn't mean logic is true. Logic isn't true. It's just a descriptive system. Well, it's true. It would be objective, right? So no. So logic isn't true. Logic is used to describe reality. So if it describes reality, then it's true because the sentence describes reality. But logic itself isn't true. Right. Yes. So morality is the same thing. Morality isn't true. It's just it, given your argument, it's just like the laws of logic, they're descriptive facts. You can use them as describing actions people do, but that doesn't mean that they're correct, that you couldn't just change the definition to make them a different definition. Right, and I wouldn't argue that morality is necessarily true, depending on your definition of true, obviously, but I would assume that morality would are, would operate in the exact same sense as you have described logic, which is, you know, based on a system, right? It's true based on, you know, you know a set of preconditions that we have. So we use logic in order to deduct statements. Uh, when we make arguments, we when we make arguments against someone, uh, we make sure not to, you know, you know, we follow certain things like epi- like epistemic duties in order to um, go across that, you know, truth claim or yeah. right. But that has nothing to do with moral realism. So moral realism is the claim that uh, morality, moral statements are true independent of opinion. So it's their objective, and for them to be objective, they need to like correspond to something in reality independent of our opinions, which is right. what objective is. Uh, the cute dog. Uh, but um, so in order for morality to be objective or for logic to be objective, it has to correspond to something other than a system we've made up. So even if the way that morality functions is similar to the way that epistemic laws of logic function, they're just something we made up to describe reality. They don't correspond to anything independent than reality. So they wouldn't be real in that case. It wouldn't, it wouldn't qualify as moral realism just based off of that argument. All right. We'll take, well, well, all right. Well, as far as logic goes, you know, there are certain laws of logic that philosophers and logicians generally accept, like modus ponens, uh, things like that, uh, deductively arguing from things, syllogisms, things like that, which we, which are generally object, um, accepted to be objectively true. So if you have a premise, like if X, then Y, 
um, X, therefore Y. Like we accept the we accept these kinds of laws um, of logic, and therefore they and therefore in some and therefore in that sense they are objective. No, so the fact that they objectively describe something that is that is true doesn't make them true. So that's that's not how. It works. Say objectively describe something, then that's then that is essentially you know. No, objective. no. Again, so for example, take take the transitive property: does A equals B, B equals C, C equals A? Uh, dogs are chickens, chickens are cats, therefore cats are dogs. Like mm -hmm. you can have the valid form without having a sound true argument. So yeah, the fact that the the arguments can be valid, like in a valid logical form, has nothing to do with truth. Truth is the yeah. soundness part. Yeah, so yeah. I agree. The, the, yeah. the, the systematic functioning of the, the epistemic principles is the same as the moral principles, just like it's the same with C++ or any formal language that doesn't make them true. For them to be true, you have to show that it's corresponds to something to reality. The premises are sound. So just showing that the, the validity of the moral framework works the same way as the validity of logical framework doesn't tell us anything about moral realism. Moral realism would be the soundness part. Yeah, yeah. So basically we just, so look, I would accept that. Yeah. It's not, it's just because something is logically true, then that doesn't mean the present, that doesn't mean the premises are sound, but you didn't need, but you just agreed that logic, that logical principles are objective and can be used because I wasn't talking about the soundness of the premises. I wasn't just saying, you know, just because you can construct a logically valid argument, but you did accept that the objectivity of logical validness. So moral yeah, realism is the soundness part. Moral realism is that it has to be true about reality in some way. So it has to be real, not just follow a formal structured language that doesn't, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. Reason. And you know, I kind of want to change gears real quick because all I seen was a bunch of hand waving and pivoting off what of, of my ex experimental data with peer reviews uh, so you can't just get to say oh it's not valid because i don't like it that's 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 basically what i heard from skylar and t jump so would you please address the backstory of Dwayne miller he he's seen over 260 doctors 90 specialists it wasn't oh a sore throat no 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 tom he actually was um diagnosed with Nothing about that is miraculous. There's all kinds of healings all the time. Nothing about that is miraculous. No, 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 no. You don't, you don't get to shift the goalposts here. No, that, I just, that's a miracle that, by definition. No, there's nothing miraculous about that. It happens all the time. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No one, no, no one that was diagnosed with an incurable laryngitis. all the time. No, it that doesn't. Literally it does not. Thousands of times Prove it then. Prove it. I can prove it very simply. You can go ahead go right now. Prove it right now. Literally prove it right now. Prove it right now. Google the word spontaneous remission. It happens all that's the time. A, that's an opinion. I want proof. No, no, no. Praise. This is a fact known in every scientific field. Spontaneous remission is a common feature no, in medical no, diagnosis. No, we know no, it all not. the time. Praise. No, praise. You being ignorant of science isn't a problem. Then prove it. it. Let's see it. I want to see a citation. The word spontaneous remission. It is like it's like saying Google the words cancer. This is so well known no. in the field. You can just Look up no, the word. No. Spontaneous. No, vocal cords and vocal cords were completely. Praise, uh, praise. It doesn't matter. No, he had, praise. He had completely mangled. Praise. People, people have spontaneous vocal remission cords. of cancer, of stage five cancer. It doesn't matter. Like nothing you're saying is spectacular. Well, then I would also say it's a miracle from God as well that you need to demonstrate how that's naturalistic in any, in any type of way or fashion or form, which because you don't. You're just claiming that. It's a scientific, it's, it's a miracle. 
period. No, nothing about that is a miracle. So again, that's that's you. <laughs> that that's is you, a miracle. Praise, praise. That's you doing what Greg said of doing a God of the gaps. And, where you're saying here is something we can't explain. Therefore, God. It happens all no, the same. Wait, wait, praise, no. praise, praise, wait, wait, praise. So this it happens. Denialism. This, praise, praise. This happens at the same rate to everyone all across the world and all cultures and all religions. It's just a biological process. There's let's, nothing. Let's, see, let's see the citation for that. I want to see spontaneous it. remission. Just go to PubMed, type in spontaneous remission, you'll get about 10,000 results. Not a problem. This is a well-known phenomenon. Literally nothing about that is special. Nope. Not, not in this case. This case was completely different. There are significantly more rare, deadly cases that get spontaneous remission. There's nothing special about this at all. You literally just posted a common feature of things that we know about all over the world and said it was miraculous. No. Please. No, because you need to show that it's it, it, spontaneous remission is even possible with laryngitis. So I think please, that's please. we have it with stage five that's lung a strong cancer. Man argument. Literally no Who said cancer and laryngitis are in the same level please, medically? Please. You need it's, to demonstrate that. Please, that's cancer a, that, is harder that's to cure than laryngitis. Claim. That's an opinion. Please. Oh my god, praise. There's You don't understand the medical field here. Show I, I think this I think what to be here, here's the problem that I'm having is that I mean, you played, I, I don't even, it was on the screen for like a 30 seconds or a minute of what you were articulating. Like, this would have been something that you probably should have sent us ahead of time if you wanted us to really get in depth, like research about this particular thing and try to debunk it. But if you just present maybe a minute worth of information and I'm only getting what I'm seeing there on the screen, like, how would you expect us to go into detail any further? I think Tom, what Tom's saying is, is is true like i don't think we need to but at the same time like you're wanting us to debunk something that you haven't even clearly articulated you haven't clearly even argued you're kind of burden shifting in a way without even giving us any prep on this spe specific thing and really it is it's just god of the gaps you're just god of the gaps argument you can't explain it therefore it's god but well, like it, i said it, we don't have it, enough information to even argue with it at this point no, it, he was treated for incurable laryngitis. It was incurable. That's what they uh, I don't know that. him as. Praise, I don't know you, that. Praise, when they say incurable, it means we don't have a medical cure. It doesn't mean it cannot be cured. You're just ignorant of the field here. I'm, I just Googled mm. laryngitis, spontaneous remission. I'm looking at PubMed. There's a, 10 different cases. It's 10% of all population has this. No, that's There's general laryngitis. Now no, you're equivocating. That's not what it means. Yeah, that's you not are. what it means, praise. It does not say general laryngitis. It says incurable right there in the papers. You're just ignorant of the field, praise. Okay, There's name nothing the paper then. That. I want to see the paper. Name it, please. Um, Hoarseness and Causes and Treatments by Rudolf Reiter, Professor Thomas, blah, 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 on NCBI PMC website. You can just Google PubMed, Spontaneous Remission of Laryngitis. There's tons of papers. Again, nothing you're just general laryngitis. No, I didn't say anything about general laryngitis. No, case, no praise. I didn't say anything about general laryngitis. This applies to all of them. You just said it yourself. It was general laryngitis. No, no, I didn't, praise. I read the title of the paper, which includes all of the kinds of laryngitis, hoarseness. So no, praise. You're wrong again. You just don't know the field. No, that's, that's not... Hey, I just looked at the paper. No, it's not there. I just looked at. It. I just looked at myself. PubMed. Just Google PubMed laryngitis. I just did. Happens all the time. Well, then you're ignorant and you can't read because this is common. Oh, really? So I can't read. There's now. literally nothing special about the case you did. Nothing. 
It's like saying, oh, look, a tree fell over. It must be a miracle. No, it's yep. they had over 200 doctors, Literally 63 nothing specialists, nothing special and their teams nothing could, special not cure, about could not help his laryngitis. Nothing special about that at all, praise. Of course fact, there is. That's No, praise. That's Again, a miracle by definition. No, praise. No, praise. Yeah. Again, you're confusing our medical technology. If we don't have the medical technology to cure something, that makes no, it incurable. That that means it's nature cured, of the gaps. No, no, no. Nature praise, praise. Incurable means we don't have a way to cure it. It does not mean it cannot be cured. You're confusing the medical terminology. Or naturalistically cannot be cured, period. No, praise. That's not what it means. You're ignorant of medicine. <laughs> In medicine, incurable means we do not currently have a way to cure it. It does not mean it cannot be cured. You're just ignorant of the field. So nope, I, mean, I want to move on to point, that's, that's such a stupid point. Let's move on to something more interesting because I've debunked that. And no, and you didn't debunk anything, but parapsychology is another one. And you guys decided to pivot off of that as well and try to shift the goalposts on that. I, I gave a paper that was demonstrated in the, in, in the peer review literature, and it says that it is legitimate science. It's just as legitimate as psychology itself. So I want to know what excuse you have now for that. So what's your excuse now? Experimental parapsychology as a rejected science, Paul D. Allison paper on Sage Journals. Yeah, we, we know mm. this doesn't work. So no, none of it's, that's it's, it's in the psych so, journals. No, no, no I'm, not, uh, I'm not refuting that there are published papers on it. I know there are. I've talked to some of the writers of them. They don't convince the experts. If you have evidence, that's great. You can present it to the experts. I, you, in the field you didn't even read the paper itself. It's right, peer-reviewed. Great. I never said it wasn't. So I'm agreeing there is peer-reviewed papers in parapsychology. They convince no one in the field because they don't work. So there are lots of crazy papers in academia. Well, by definition, it is accepted in the field because it wouldn't. If it was no rejected, praise. it wouldn't be accepted. Oh no praise. There are lots of stupid published academic papers. Accepted by the fields means it convinces the consensus in the fields. So there are lots of dumb papers published on all kinds of things. There are flat Earth papers published. There's all kinds Did you read of dumb the paper? papers. I, yes, Perry's. I've talked with other people about really? it. Really? So help. you read this specific paper that I that I outlined? Probably yes, which doesn't help your case. Oh, really? So what? So what again, does praise, it say? Again, praise. It doesn't what does help it your say case in the paper. How should I know? I read tons of papers on it because I talked with the people in the field. You said you read it, probably. So yes, what does I probably it say have read. I've read tons of papers in the field. You ignoramus. So yes, you said you read my particular yes, paper. I'm asking, has. what does it yes, say? I probably read that Please one. Please summarize it. Tell me I don't what need it. Need to what it ignoramus. Said. I've read lots of books that I can't remember yes, what they say. All you're doing ignoramus. is doing cognitive dissonance here. No, Please, no one cares dissonance. about your cognitive dissonance. You know what cognitive dissonance is? Praise. No one is. It causes mental uh, displeasure for you, so you try to just hand wave it away and reject it. There's Denial. nothing there about it's just denialism, buddy. That's all you have. No praise, praise. I'm going to give it to Greg, praise, though, because praise, it's just getting... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm to crush your dumb argument again. <laughs> so again, as I've said, if you have a published paper in an academic journal, the point is to convince the... You consensus. said you read it. Let's, let's, stop, hear, let's hear a summarization stop, of it. I can crush your argument. I don't even need to read the <laughs> so It's pretty simple. I've read it. Your narcissism is coming out, Tom. Hey, why are you so cover cover on off and let me crush your dumb argument. Go ahead, Greg. Let's move on from this point. Yeah, go ahead. So again, Praise's stupid argument is that there was a published paper, therefore the published paper is true. Clearly not the no, case. That's not, that's not my Stop argument. Interrupting praise. Stop interrupting praise. So we know that just because there's a published paper on lots of stupid things doesn't mean that that qualifies as anything. Like there are dumb papers inspiring philosophy posts for uh, mental, like what's it, the holographic principle and that we're all in a big program. Like, yeah, there are dumb published papers in journals. That isn't evidence. You Quoting, said you read it though. What does it say? praise. Stop praise. So again, the fact that there is a published paper isn't evidence of anything. It would be evidence if it could convince the consensus, 
No one is convinced. Praises paper is just a dumb, random paper published by a niche scientist, like I, inspiring philosophy, not evidence. All right. Let's get the other guys in here. <coughs> All right. So, so would you like to continue discussing the moral argument, or would you like to get into the Leibniz and cosmological argument? Either one up to you. What do you think is more important? I say probably the Leibniz and cosmological argument is more important, I guess, so to speak. Okay. So, my take on that is, we can grant there's a necessary thing; it can just be natural. There's no reason to conclude it's God at all. Also, the PSR is rejected by most philosophers. It's highly controversial. It's literally in the first line of this Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy on it. Okay, so let's go through the first point, which is that uh, as a, it can be a natural event, but um, but I would but I would doubt that since um, aging causation, because since event causation would lead to an infinite regress of events, and it would, and it would have to be non-physical as well, because um, it would because um, a necessary substance cannot contain uh, contingent things inside of it; otherwise, it wouldn't it wouldn't be necessary. Right? Uh, no. So necessary is a made-up abstract criterion that that we've made up so we can put in any kinds of things and it doesn't correspond to reality just because we've defined it in a certain way. It could be anything. Energy could be the necessary thing and it could have lots of independent parts and there's no problem with that. The fact that we arbitrarily define it as, well, this is the way we'd like it to be doesn't necessarily correspond to reality until you can demonstrate it. So all the theologians have done is they've made up a definition which they think is true and then asserted that it corresponds to reality with no evidence until you can demonstrate the necessary thing or the, the property of necessary has these this specific um, criteria of the way it is, then it's just your assertion. This is an argument from ignorance of, I imagine it to be this way, therefore it is this way. Well, no, no, no. I would say, for instance, the art for when we talk about the definition of a necessary, a necessary would just simply be, like, let's start with a basic example, just like a proposition like, all bachelors are unmarried. You know, that would be necessary. If we're talking in a modal context, it would be true in all possible worlds. Like this is more like I'm not I'm not trying to make an ontological argument here, but not be a necessary thing. I guess you could, some could consider numbers to be necessary, and uh, basically a necessary thing is something that could not have failed to exist, um, no matter what uh, world it is in. Right, uh, that's one definition which can be rejected in many cases. Like you could just say there is a universe that is grounded in the spaghetti monster. There is another universe that's grounded in the Christian God. There's another universe that's grounded in Hare Krishna. And so each universe can have its own necessary thing, which just grounds that one universe, but doesn't exist in any other. There's nothing in any accepted definition of necessary that entails there is one thing that exists in all possible universes. Again, that's just a made-up definition by theologians that most philosophers reject, like all of them. Well, look, if it's... Well, if it's only in one universe, if like something is only in one, you know, modal universe, because if we're talking in a modal context, that means logically necessary must be the case in all possible worlds. That all unmarried that all unmarried people are bachelors. That's not that wouldn't just be in our universe. That would be in another. Because what you're getting at here and is physically necessary. But I'm not talking about physically necessary. I'm talking about logically and metaphysically necessary, which I would argue that um, a god would be. Which wouldn't apply. So again, the physical reality isn't contingent on logic. Logic is a language made up by humans. So what's logically necessary is just the way we've defined terms, which is just how we've defined terms. So uh, that wouldn't apply at all. You can't extrapolate from our definitions of logic to what is the fundamental nature of reality. Again, it's, there's no logical contradiction which each independent universe having just one grounds of the spaghetti monster in one and the Christian God in another and Harry Krishna in another or just energy in one. There's no logical contradiction there at all, which is what the modal logic is arguing is that there is a logical contradiction in that statement. 
But would you argue that certain statements are logically necessary? Would, would um, descriptive that? statements are logically necessary in the language, yes, not in the world. Like, what do you mean by in the language? Um, if you make a statement means X and not X, then that would be necessarily contradictory because of the language you've made up. But would you agree that, for instance, all unmarried people are, are all bachelors are unmarried would be a logically necessary statement based on the current definitions we have? Sure. Okay. So, so there, so there are certain necessary things. It's not, it's not just something, you know, made in, in language based on definitions. Yes. Okay. So what, so I'm trying to understand here. A thing cannot be itself and not itself at the same time. I'm willing to grant that. Yes. That's a necessary true statement. Right. So what I would argue is that, um, a deity, a necessary deity, um, would be, would be necessary. Um, from uh, from a logical and metaphysical perspective, based on you know what I just gave, you know, there's a there's a set of you didn't, you didn't give any justification for that. You just asserted it. Say that again. You didn't give any justification for that. You just asserted it. So again, my argument is is that I can have one universe with the Spaghetti Monster, one universe with the Christian God, and one universe with Hare Krishna. There is no logical contradiction there. There is nothing that would require one necessary being to exist in all possible worlds. This is not something justified by anything you've said. Well, that's kind of a reversal of what I was, I guess, a reversal of the order of what I was saying. I'm not saying Christian God, therefore necessary. I'm establishing. No, 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 again, you're arguing there is one necessary thing in all possible worlds. I'm saying that statement is just something you've made up. There is nothing to support that statement. You can have a bunch of worlds, each with its own necessary thing, which is dependent, or which is only in that one world. So that statement that you made, that there is a necessary thing that exists in all possible worlds, which is how it's defined in modal logic, is just a made up definition which doesn't necessarily follow. That there is such a thing that grounds the reality. Well, I'm saying it's necessary because um, because an infinite regress would be impossible, like of, of contingent things, and therefore, well, and, and the explanation of that contingent thing would have to be thus necessary and not contingent. Well, there's two, there's two, two things they're starting to talk. One is that their infinite regress isn't impossible. It's rejected by every physicist. Most models have an infinite regress, but that doesn't matter. Even if I grant infinite regresses are impossible. The spaghetti monster isn't an infinite regress. It's just a necessary thing. The Hare Krishna is just a necessary thing that created the universe. There isn't an infinite regress in any of those. Those are just a brute stopping point, just like the Christian God would be. It just only exists in one universe instead of all of them. Well, I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't just argue that it's just one necessary thing. I'd argue that it'd have to be non-physical as well, because once again, it wouldn't be made up of contingent um, substances. And of course, it would be independent of space-time as well. And, and and I would argue that's generally closer to the definition of what is commonly you know accepted as God. That's what I'm that's what I'm kind of arguing. So again, nothing in physics supports that. Otherwise, yeah, it could be anything. It could be this flying spaghetti monster. It could be it could be a physical event. But I but I argued otherwise. So again, uh, non-physical doesn't follow from any of that. Uh, the fact that it's outside of space-time, space-time is just the thing in our universe. Space-time is not a philosophical concept that exists in all possible natural worlds. It's just the thing represented by lambda in Einstein's general special relativity. So being outside of that is could be anything. It could be other physical things. It could be other universes, the multiverse, string theory, et cetera, et cetera. So the fact that our whatever created our universe is outside of space-time tells us nothing about it at all other than it's outside of the thing that it made, which is could be anything. So it does it could be physical. There's nothing stopping that at all because space-time and physics just refers to one kind, just our kind, not all kinds. Secondly, even if I granted it was non-physical, it could still be the spaghetti monster or Hare Krishna or any other infinitely other gods. Being non-physical also doesn't indicate that there is a necessary being that exists in all possible worlds. There's infinitely many such possible beings. Okay, well, two things. The first is um, on the non-physical point. It would follow that it would be non-physical since 
not since the concept of physicality is fundamentally a contingent concept. So wait, wait, can just to interrupt right there. So our concept of physicality is we don't know everything about what physical constitutes. So there could be a necessary physical thing out there we just don't know about yet. So you're confusing our concept of physicality with the essence of ontology of physicality, which we don't know. Well, what would be the difference? Our ideas don't represent reality. We always have like a limited understanding of every concept. So there could just be more physical stuff, more qualities of physical stuff out there we just don't know about yet, like a perfect essence of perfect simplicity or whatever. Like, okay, well, first we'd have to define what physical means. And uh, physical as it's um, generally uh, accepted is just something that's, you know, tangible or concrete. Therefore it could, or could, or it could exist in one possible word and, and it couldn't exist and it or sorry, it could not exist in another possible modal world. So therefore, it would be a continued concept. So uh, no, because that's definitely not the definition used in physics. Like there are physical properties of just geometries that don't physically exist. Like amplitudehedron, emergent space-time, those are physical things by the physical universe that don't exist in our space-time. So no. I didn't claim that it existed. You said tangible. You said physical and tangible. These are non-physical, non-tangible things. Yeah, it, it's uh, yeah. You're right. It could, yeah, I, I would I would agree with you there. It doesn't have to be tangible. Um, it could be it could be non-tangible, but once again, um, and I would just like to finish my second point on independent space-time. Um, I would agree with you that it wouldn't necessarily be saying much, but the fact that it's independent of space-time would be saying would be saying pretty much one thing, which is that this is um, this is a necessary being. And that um, it's not, and, and that it wouldn't be observable in our universe. So that when I when I said independent space time, I wasn't necessarily just saying this as like a big revolution. I'm right. Just, so, but I was objecting to the first one where you said this is a necessary being. Like, no, there could be infinitely many things outside of space time that are non necessary beings. Like, there could be particles that exist outside of space time that are non necessary. They're perfectly contingent. There could be infinitely many possible beings that are outside of space time that are not necessary beings in all possible worlds. The fact that it's outside of space time tells us nothing other than it's outside of our universe. That's it. That's literally the only thing the statement means. I don't think infinite. Well, I don't think infinite regresses are possible because that would lead to if we have an infinite chain of like contingent events. I would, I, I wouldn't argue that that um, would be possible due to the fact that it would lead to certain problems. Like, what is infinity minus infinity? Um, again, I didn't say anything about an infinite regress, and no, not, all, it's just infinity in general. There's a problem with an, the concept of an actual infinite. You know, as, um, there's not, there's not actually, but in physics, most models have an actual infinite. There isn't a problem there. Infinity is just a concept in our head. It doesn't. Again, you're confusing our concept with reality, but that is irrelevant to my argument because I didn't say anything about an actual infinite existing. I just said there could be a thing that is purely physical that exists outside of space time. There's no infinite regress there. There's no actual infinity there. Sure, 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 sure. I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't physical things. Like the explanation of the universe might be a, a quantum fluctuation. What I'm arguing is a strictly philosophical argument. It wouldn't be based on physics, right? Which is why, like people like, which is why people like Aristotle and uh, Thomas Aquinas were already constructing arguments like this a long time ago. Which is that this is based off of philosophical necessity, not necessarily just, not necessarily just. Here's the scientific evidence that the universe is this way, and that quantum fluctuations could not have. You know, cause the universe because I'm perfectly willing to grant that uh, another thing like a non-god being would have caused the universe. I, I would disagree there with arguments such as the Kalam cosmological argument, which argue that, that and that is an example of the god of the gaps argument to say the cause of the universe is um, is X Y Z and we know for sure is is it God or rather? Wait, well, yeah, I think I think 
you're going down a rabbit trail. So again, my argument is, is that your definition of a necessary being is wrong. It's just something you've made up. I can make a different definition of a necessary being, which is a better, more accurate definition. Like, for example, I can say this spaghetti monster is a necessary being. And get rid of the all possible worlds. You don't need that for a necessary being. It just needs to be necessary in the one universe. And there's no logical contradiction with a being generating a universe and being the necessary cause of that universe with no precursors. It's just it exists outside of space time. Like the spaghetti monster exists outside of space time, non-physically created our universe, and there's nothing before it in our universe. And there's the same thing in a different universe. There's right. no contradiction here. So you right. don't need your definition right. of a right, right, right. But um, I would, but when you construct arguments, for instance, you have to accept certain de definitions. Otherwise, we're arguing about two separate things. So when well, I'm no, so I accept your definition, but I'm saying your definition is wrong. Show me why your definition is right. I don't have to show them why my definition is right. When you go about, when you talk about arguments, you have to accept certain definitions. Like we accept that um, cracker means, um, it means it means okay, it means like something with wheat, or that's not a good definition, honestly. But <laughs> but we we have to accept certain definitions in order to make arguments about crackers. Right. I accept what crackers. your definition is, and I say it's wrong. So I understand what your definition is, and I'm rejecting your definition as just being made up by you and doesn't correspond to reality. So I, I understand your definition. I know how you use the word, and I'm saying that's wrong. You just made it up. How do you show that it's right and it corresponds to reality, and you didn't just make it up? I'm not saying it's. I'm not. I'm not saying that it exists. The definition of necessary, because because look, things cannot exist. For instance. And so we can still have a definition for them. And then we would construct right. arguments for why that thing exists, right? So, right. So if I make up a definition of saying there is a necessary being in all possible worlds, I just made that up. There's no reason to believe that actually exists anywhere. So you need to give me some additional reason, like right. the arguments you mentioned, to show why it exists outside of just my definition, right? Well, to be fair, that's not really a definition. But like, if you were to construct a definition and then you were to say this thing exists... And then you would have to, or sorry, rather, you come up with a definition of something, and then you would have to construct an argument for why that thing exists. Right. So, so I'm not looking for the argument for why that your thing exists and my spaghetti monster model doesn't exist. Sorry, say that again. So, so I'm I'm saying all of my spaghetti monster things can answer all of the things you presented. And there's no contradiction. So all of the arguments you presented work equally as well under my spaghetti monster individual universe model as your model it's still the same descriptions as our god though so you, you can invoke no. the spaghetti monster but it still has the same descriptions as our god no, but I'll, i would also like to have a discussion with skylar maybe you know in a few sure. moments sure but no so it's not the same as your god i, I made mine out of magical spaghetti your god is not made out of magical spaghetti or no, it's use, still praise 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 or i could just use naturalistic pantheism and get rid of the consciousness there's lots of different ways to make it distinguished from the god not a problem i saw that a long time ago nope not conscious means not Christian God. No, but that you see, but right. you, when you bring uh, this falling spaghetti monster, it's a material being. Doesn't anyway. matter. Doesn't matter. Praise you. Just, I just need to the from the God. Can I just say the final word on it, and then praise can go. Absolutely. Um, so basically, so what I just like to say is, um, you could argue for a flying spaghetti monster, however you'd like, but um, because obviously this is not at all a specific argument. The Leibniz and cosmological argument is um. Is a is a pretty vague argument when it's referring to a specific, you know, deity, right? Um, I'm like the mortal argument would obviously be more specific, but for for here, I mean, I guess you could solve with this with the flying spaghetti monster or a or some kind of variation for it. It would it would be hard, but you but I guess you could. But I'm willing to grant that you could. But I'm still saying that this is you know the commonly accepted definition of a god, and if the spaghetti monster goes under that definition, then 
then then yeah, the argument is you know the argument's still valid. We'd have to go through what specific god. Um, well, I'm making an argument for polytheism here. I'm saying there could be one god for each universe, and the necessary thing is just each one per each universe, not as you have defined it of being necessary in all possible universes. So I'm I'm rejecting the definition of necessary being in all possible universes and saying it could be in each one. So so I'm rejecting this polytheism essentially. Well, then how would it be necessary? I'm still I'm still I'm saying my definition of necessary that. is right. Your definition is made up and wrong. And I still don't get this. I disagree with your understanding of um, how we're going about this. Again, the concept of all possible worlds would indicate, unless you're trying to argue, because maybe I'm not understanding your argument here. Unless you're arguing that my definition that that my definition doesn't correspond to my argument, and that your definition better does, and that it can be um, att attenuated for individual universes, is that what you're trying to say? No, I'm saying you have a definition, and you use that definition in your argument, and I just change the definition and use. That, that my definition and my argument and my argument works equally as well as yours and so your argument which proves your argument doesn't actually work as evidence for your conclusion so if i say here is a box the box weighs two pounds therefore there is a rabbit in the box i could say no the box weighs two pounds therefore there's a lizard in the box that evidence doesn't indicate your conclusion of a rabbit so you've presented an argument to try and indicate the conclusion there is a necessary being in all possible worlds I reject that and say, well, I can just use the same arguments and say there's a necessary bearing in each potential world, no problem. But that, but that wouldn't logically follow. What I'm saying is, you'd have to how. That's the question I've been asking. How would that not logically follow? Where is the problem in my model as opposed to yours? Because your argument didn't go along the lines of my argument. It was a, it was different. Like how you'd have to like actually explain it, not just say it's different. No, because like, because I'm not. I, I'm really not. I, I'm really not following your reasoning here. Could you elaborate on it a little bit more? Right. So I'm saying that any argument you propose to try and indicate a necessary being in all possible worlds, I can match that with a better argument for a necessary being in each possible world. So I'm arguing the definition. Yeah, and how, would you argue, how would you support that? What? And how would you support that? By showing that any of your arguments can be reflected and work for both conclusions so they don't indicate your conclusion. So yeah. I'm going to like my boxes. How would you do that? By taking your argument and then repeating it and changing the nouns. You didn't. You didn't no, that's not exactly how your argument was. You, you didn't really support your argument. You just I, I copied exactly your statements word for word. That's that's kind of my stick. Um, so you said there's a necessary being that's required that needs to be non-infinite regress, non-physical. Okay, I can do that for each possible universe. Not a problem. No, you can't because again, the definition of necessary as I'm defining it is something that it would be for okay, your, your definition of necessary. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. So again, your definition of necessary is your argument, but I'm using a different argument with a different definition. So you have to show that your version works better than my version. Just saying that your definition is different does nothing. Like I know it's different. That's why I'm using it. Well, your version doesn't matter then if your definition is different as well. No, definitions do not indicate truth. No, because you have a definition. That's a a definition is a I think we might be going in circles a little bit at this Yeah. Point. Maybe yeah. we can uh, switch maybe around to mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, yeah, let's like hear some from Skyler. We haven't heard from yeah. you pretty much the whole time. Well, I, I, I think I'd like like if I'd, I'd be fine with getting into the whole precept thing with praise for a couple minutes. That's fine if we want to go back and forth uh, with your first thing you brought up uh, about. I, I, I'm just kind of interested to hear how I, I can't have knowledge or I can't make any type of truth claims or anything like that. I'd, I'd be more interested to hear about that. Right. So before you can justify any type of knowledge. See, here's the thing that atheists don't have a I'm not way. An atheist. 
or I would say non-God believers. Okay, so non-God believers don't have what? So they don't have a basis to move belief into knowledge. So what moves your belief into knowledge? You need some type of uh, demonstration. I mean, what, what are you? How are you defining knowledge in this this way? Exactly. Knowing something as a fact. What, what I mean. No, that's not that's not actually explaining what I'm, I'm asking you. Like, if I could demonstrate something that I claim, would that be a, a demonstration of knowledge? Like, like for instance, I know that I'm not your Christian God. I can demonstrate that. That is the synthetic. You know what a synthetic truth is? I I don't know what you mean by it. Go ahead. What's a synthetic so, truth? So synthetic truths are, empir- are based on empiricism, which means your uh, your senses. To, uh, tell you something, or, or or so you believe that is the case. So you you need well, something. It is the case. Well, you, you would agree it's the case, right? Well, I'm not your Christian God, right? Um, I'm talking about empiricism right now. So you need no, 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 no. Well, we're, we're, the whole point of what you're saying is that I can't know anything. I can't have knowledge. I'm demonstrating to you right now without that I have God. knowledge. Yeah, without God, right? So I don't have I don't have God right now. I am not your Christian God. I would be lying to you if I were your Christian God, and God can't lie according to the Bible. So therefore, it is impossible that I am your Christian God. And if I were your Christian God, I'd certainly know it, I would imagine. So I've just demonstrated uh, knowledge to you that I can know things. So your whole premise is faulty. No, no, no. So you need a justification to validate that your knowledge, that, that your beliefs are knowledge. So what is your justification? What, what, wait, I'm sorry. That is knowledge. I have knowledge of a particular thing. I just demonstrate knowledge. Is that not knowledge of something? Oh, uh, you, you his have knowledge a that was grasp. A, his knowledge was a logical contradiction. That was his justification. Repeat. I'm sorry. What? What did you say there? His justification was a logical contradiction. God says he can't lie. He says, Skyler says he's not God. So if he was God, that would be a lie. So he can't be God. It's a logical contradiction is what he's arguing. Yeah. That's a justification. Um, no, I'm. So again, we're we're talking about justification of of a belief to make a knowledge. knowledge. Well, no, you said I can't have knowledge. I just demonstrate no, that I have no, no, knowledge. no, no. I'm saying you have no justification for knowledge. You need to have. You need to justify. Why? Why do I need that? Is that just your opinion that mm-hmm. I need justification in order to prove something to you specifically? Well, well, unless you can see that it's arbitrary on your part, yeah. What? What? Wait, wait a minute. But how does this lead you to God? I'm sorry. That's what I'm trying to understand. Like somehow, like you have a knowledge that I don't. Is what you're saying? No, I have a justification for knowledge that you do not. Okay. Can Can you demonstrate that justification? Can you prove that 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 God communicates to you? Um. It's no. It's axiomatic. So we have the laws. Of so logic. it's just an empty. It's just an empty claim and assertion. No. no I mean, it's, I had, no. What I'm talking about is a, a, compa- a comparison of worldviews. So your worldview cannot justify anything, any knowledge, any truth. It's I don't just justify arbitrary. it to you. Maybe like maybe you, it's not justified you, to you, you but I can a, demonstrate that I have knowledge. But once again, all so basically, what you're saying is, hey, Skyler. You know, demonstrate, justify, and demonstrate that you have a foundation of knowledge when all you have is an axiom that says God gives you knowledge. No, which we is have. Claim. 
No, we have axioms that that are verifiable through the laws of logic, but that's the that's the issue. You, you can't, you can't you, verify that God gives you knowledge. How do you justify the laws of logic without God? That's my, I don't that's have to justify point. them. Of course you do. Because no, I don't. Yeah, you do because then that means that you're um you're incompetent in your what? worldview. What are yeah. you even saying? What are you even saying? I'm, I'm saying, incompetent in my worldview. This isn't an argument. This I'm is just empty assertions. Okay, yes, I, I got that empty assertion, right? But I've already demonstrated that I have knowledge and I can and I have I'm able to reason and to think. I, I listen, I, listen, I, I accept I could just have basic axioms just like you. I believe that <laughs> that I'm real. You I believe that I exist. I think logic, therefore though. I am. I, I'm sorry. No, I mean let's just grant and say that I do. Okay. Okay, that doesn't get you to God. Of course it does, because the basis for logic necessarily uh, invokes God. It necessarily okay. is the case. Okay, how, how are you going to demonstrate that? Easily. They, they are non-temporal, they are immaterial, and they are tautological. What does that have to do with God? Because how are that's you defining God? Of God. That is God. Who, how do you know that? Through uh, revelation, through well, even so, God told you so. Okay, yeah, there we go. Once again, you have an empty claim that God told you so. What am we I supposed the, to do with that? We have the Word of God. I mean, so no, we we're, have, we're not talking about the Christian God tonight. You're just talking about God, right? That was the debate topic because I was told mm -hmm. we weren't going to do the Christian God through email because I wanted to have okay. that debate this evening. Well, James never, so, yeah, he never uh, revealed that to me because that's what I thought God means no, Elohim it, it, in the it, Hebrew. It was in, but it was in the it was in the email thread, but that doesn't matter. Listen, that's not the big. It's not your fault. I'm not saying it. But yeah. my point is, though. Okay, okay. So, okay, so well, let's go with that. That's fine. We can keep your Christian God. I'm happy to debate that. All right. So now you're saying, okay, God's word. So now we just added another assertion on top of God communicates to you. How do you know God communicates to you? Because God's word, the Bible. How do we know that the Bible is God's word? Because in the Bible it says that it's God's word. Is that where we're about to go? No, and the other things that the the Bible reveals that are consistent with the laws of logic, they 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 are married together. What? Wait, wait a minute. Okay, so you you now we've we've like I said now you're appealing to a Bible. I, how do we know that the Bible is God's word? Well, can I just intervene you for a sec? So, yeah, go ahead. So, praise. I think he's trying to ask you. Uh, you you made the claim that you know uh, God gave you this to you through revelation. So you'd have to back up that the revelation is actually true. And that it is the word of God. That's what he's trying to say. Because I think, yeah. because I think your assertion was was bare. Well, I would say historically we have historical attestation for the Bible that verifies it. We have um, we have predictive prophecy that verifies the Bible through messianic no, prophecy. No, no, we don't. Wait, 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 um, isn't that what, isn't that what Skyler said? Dismiss that, but doesn't make it go away though. Wait, wait, isn't that what Skyler said before? Is that he's using demonstrations to justify his claim, and you're just claiming that well, you think it's God because of your demonstrations. So aren't you using mm. using the same justification Skyler is? No, because again, the description of logic, you need so Skyler needs something that is immaterial, that is eternal, and that is no. tautological. Yeah. No, 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 I don't why do I need that? Because you say so, because praise says I need that in order to what have knowledge, but we've already demonstrated that I have knowledge. That's how the laws of logic work though. That's no, well, no, I'm uh, no, they are descriptions of reality. Yes, I agree that the laws of logic are descriptions of reality. They're not God, as the Christian would articulate. 
They're descriptions of something prescriptive, though. They're no. what? What does that mean? They are descriptions of something pre. What are you talking about? Yeah, so s- something that prescribes us how to correct illogical thinking, but they are what? descriptive. That's that, that seems like you're just asserting that. I don't. Uh, what are you no. saying? Prescribes these things. You're basically saying God prescribes the laws of logic. No, um, that's the premise that no, you're they're, they're axiomatic, so we can access well, them that's, mentally. That's, that's not that's not what axiomatic means. Like yeah, you're accepting self- them as, but you're accepting them as axiomatic. That's your starting point. No, right? that's, philo- that's philosophies, general understanding. That's what they classify it as. Aristotelian logic. Look it up. No, no, they classify logic as descriptive. There's no prescriptive logic. Well, no, I never said they weren't descriptive. I said they're descriptive of something prescriptive. No, well, that's, no that. that's a contradiction. Yeah. So in philosophy, they're just descriptive. No, they're descriptive of something prescriptive, though. That's a contradiction. It, it's mean? not. No, it's not. It's just like math is descriptive of something prescriptive. It's the same thing. No, math is also just descriptive. Like, I don't know what you mean when you say descriptive of something prescriptive. Yeah. Did you, like, explore that? Skyler was right when he says that makes no sense. What does that mean? It means that that they are accessible, that you can um, think you can think upon them. Mean. That's not what prescriptive means, though. Yes, yes, it does. It prescribes we access we access them. It's, isn't it kind of like prescription? Like your doctor writes you a prescription. Like they are available for uh, for correction. We see if I said that up is down, we would say that's a self contradiction. But what would make me say this is just something that makes it descriptively true though? No, we have to it's prescriptive at the same what? time. I don't that know we, what you're saying. What? I mean I, don't, I, real, I honestly don't, don't understand saying, it, but I don't want to tell you guys. Like I just it seems to go over your head, you know, but I don't think it's going over our head. I think you're just saying stuff that's nonsense. No, I I just gave you an example. If I said something is up and down at the same time, could you show me that descriptively? No, because it would be a logical contradiction. Yes, it's conceptual. See, it's it's not descriptive because they're conceptual. No, no, no. That's a contradiction. What you do, it can't be up and down at the same time. Right. It's like it's hot and cold at the same time. Conceptual is still descriptive, so I can describe my concepts. I'm thinking of a unicorn. Concepts. No, 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 no. The word concept, what the definition, the dictionary's definition means in the mind. Right. So they're not reduced to the brain, though, because if we can't find the law of logic in the brain, so it's That's the mind, immaterial mind. Sure, it's like, like like I said, it's descriptive of something prescriptive. That no, still it, makes no sense. Like you can describe everything in your mind around. just with descriptions. There's no prescriptions there. You're just talking about the way reality functions. Again, that's all you're doing. You're describing how reality functions. No, it's not. No, it, that's not an argument. It is. Like, going I, over. I, I just you're just like that. Oh, praise, praise. That's not an argument just to say it's going over our head, right? It's your job. You're the one arguing for this. Like you I need to articulate. It. I know, but it doesn't. Conceptual. That, that word conceptual means a definition. Tom just explained it. Tom just literally explained to you hey, how those are still descriptions. You want me to give you an actual description? I can give you, I'll go look it up, give you a specific one. I'm not going to do one off the top of my head. Based on mental concepts. The the term you used was descriptive of prescriptive. Mental concepts are just descriptive. You can describe all mental concepts with just descriptions. How does that fit your term descriptive of prescriptive? Again, if they were descriptive, they would not be mental. That you would say that they are merely. 
descriptive of reality, physical, material, natural. Praise, praise. I can grant, let's just grant there is a non-physical realm. There is this non-physical realm made of bubblies and the bubblies exist. What I just said was a descriptive statement of a non-physical realm, a mental realm. So no, that's still descriptive. They still prescribe us how to think though. Like, so your mind automatically, so all minds just automatically correct illogical statements? No, we have to think upon them. The fact we have to think upon them means they're prescriptive. What? That, no, that's, not at all. that's like the rules of chess. Well, we have to think about the rules of chess, therefore the rules of chess are prescriptive. Like, we made them up. They, they aren't, there's no kind of like automatic prescription there. That's not a thing. Then everyone would then everyone would be logical by by necessity. Then so you have to no. demonstrate everyone's logical. Then no, like how is it possible for to be illogical? Then because you can choose to be illogical. Like, your brain may not function properly. You may have a brain functioning problem where you're not thinking clearly. Oh, uh, that's special pleading. I mean, you yeah. have to demonstrate that. Every mind is descriptively uh, tuned into logic, and there's no evidence of that. What? And even the logic the isn't a thing outside of it. It's a description of our reality. You're you're confusing the word logic. How are you using that word there in that sentence? I'm using rational inference. That's what the definition means. Okay, so, inference. okay so I'm sorry. So people, you're you're saying that people can't be rational without God? You know the word inference. You know what that means. Oh my God! Just answer. The it question. infers us how to think correctly. Even the even the what does name it mean itself, to think correctly? What does that mean to think correctly? You no, know, it infers us how to uh, use ration rationality correctly. To it, how, what does it that prescribes mean? Prescribes us to be rational. That's what it means. Yeah, and the rules so, of chess. Rational prescription. Honestly, wait. I think we <sighs> got a little off topic. Honestly. Is uh, yeah. like I want to keep this with you know I I want I want to keep you know praise talking here um having the discussion but like I am not sure where I'm not sure where we're at right now because originally so, yeah okay so inference infer what is inferring in logic what is it what is it inferring to conclusion you, you lead to a conclusion deduce or lead to a conclusion. It infers us to the laws itself, the law of non-contradiction, the the other laws, the um No, that's just observation. We don't we no. don't use those. Show me I the law okay. Show me the law of non-contradiction in a test tube. Or no, under laws, a law, it's like show me the word tree anywhere. The word tree describes something that exists. It itself does not exist. The law of logic doesn't exist anywhere. It's a word, it's language, like English. So the law of non-contradiction somewhere in the universe and its language. No, it's it's a language in our heads like English. It doesn't exist anywhere. It's a description of things that exist. Okay, then, then describe it for me. What is it? What does it taste like? What does it smell like? What does it uh, feel like? The laws of logic. The same as the English language. It's, it's just oh, really? So what does that taste like? What does that feel like? What does that hear like? What does it um, sound like? It's it's a made up language by humans. It doesn't well, exist. So, so you're admitting it's non it's a non physical then. It doesn't exist. It's an idea. So, so, so it's so, it's praise, even if I grant you it's non physical, that does nothing to help your case. It's still descriptive. It does everything to prove my case because if it transcends natural paradigm material physical processes then obviously that means that there is something transcendent. You have to 
uh, qualify that in your worldview. And you, you yeah, can't. that would mean the laws of logic were transcended. That doesn't mean anything else yeah. would be. So if the laws of logic are transcended and exist, then you don't need a god because you have the laws of logic. We have well, our god best accounts for the laws of logic. You have nothing else to. By definition, you fail because your worldview is material, natural. No, so no you no, lose. Please, please, I mean, so that's again, game over please, right please, there. Please. Making up an uh, explanation ahead, isn't an explanation. So I can explain the laws of logic as brute facts. That's a better explanation than a god, 100% of the time. No, it's, it's begging the question. Okay. All right, you guys. So, yeah, let's move on. Um, I just want to say if anybody wants to ask a question, tag me in the chat, and I'll ask it here at the end. Let's go for maybe like another 15 minutes or so. And um, uh, did you guys want to touch on either of Greg's arguments again? Yeah. That that would be nice. I I just like to say one thing, uh, though, um, because I think because originally because I think this topic shifted a little bit towards um not from just you know does a god exist but rather to does the Christian God exist, and if we're talking about the laws of logic here, I guess um uh, praise and um praise and the atheist and uh, T jump and um scholar fiction are kind of misunderstanding here. I think praise is saying, you know, God best accounts for the laws of logic. Um, but he's, but I don't think you're clarifying enough um, whether the Christian God necessarily um, accounts for the laws of logic transcendentally. And I think, and I think you guys are talking about uh, different things. So maybe, Pris, could you clarify a little bit why it's specifically, you know, the Christian God that's that, 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 right. that account for it before, and then sure. I could talk about the moral argument. Yeah. So I would say the the Christian God best. Um, accounts for the the laws of logic because he's a necessary being, and he is through the the argument that you gave, Greg. With he is the uh, greatest being, the ontological argument. So if he is maximally great, then that would obviously supersede any other deities out there. And we have we have other arguments we can do to justify that he is a necessary being and and the greatest maximum maximally greatest being. So that's how I would ground it with the Christian God. Yeah, I just don't accept the Bible is sorry. Like, I mean, we're just gonna go back to the Bible and then you're gonna say the Bible's true, and then be like, why is the Bible true? Because the Bible says it's true and God said it in the Bible, and we're just in this vicious circle where we have empty claims and assertions. So I just don't feel this is a very good argument whatsoever. Exactly. That's why I said just saying the laws of logic are brute facts is a better argument than a god because it's yes. equally as circular, but doesn't have all of this nonsense about some kind of being that drowns millions of babies and is all powerful. And, 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 and that, that's just uh, you know Ramen. just being uh, to be a dogmatic atheist. You just reject. It's to be a rejectionist. Who cares about your feelings or opinions about the Bible that are incorrect in the first place? But I did offer parapsychology. Are you guys familiar with the ex experimental data and evidence for parapsychology? Yes, I've had them on my show. Like I've had okay, some of so the experts on my show. What are so? What are the experimental? What is the experimental data? You know, what are some of those experiments? There are two big experiments, Don. I forget by the names of the guys on it, but the guy from New Thinking Aloud who runs the channel has been on my show, and we have literally talked about this, and none of it's evidence, which is why it's not well, accepted by the consensus. No, you're, I mean, you're just dismissing it out of uh, no, arbitrarily. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. So we have a paper called Observation of a Psychokinetic Effect Under Highly Controlled Conditions. This is a paper. and. I didn't say uh, it wasn't. 
okay, so there's experimental data of the supernatural right there. Remember, Craze, I already addressed this. There's lots of silly papers that are published. For them to count as evidence, they need to convince the consensus. That's what the papers are published for. You need to present them to the experts. The expert needs to say, oh, this is really good. We can repeat this and show it was true. And then if they do that, it becomes accepted. Or they find it's unrepeatable, like in most even psychology stuff and social science stuff is unrepeatable. And so it's not evidence of anything, which is what they find. That is the consensus, though. But Parapsychology goes. I just want to know: do you any do any of you have a meta analysis on the review of a yes. parapsychological literature, which just goes goes through like five hundred different studies on it? Yes, I do, and that yeah. was outlined in my uh, presentation: a meta analysis of parapsychology. This is what I'm saying: this denialism uh, is useless. It's a useless argument from Tom Jump. That's because uh, he he's I think he's bigoted towards the idea of the supernatural. That's all comes down to that's the typical pseudoscience argument well the, my dissenters are just biased and can't understand it because i have to be right clearly i, mean, I provided the evidence crazy, so you're crazy, just denying crazy. it do, do you know what the the problem of reproducibility is in social science um do you know the the that's, problem of praise this isn't a trick question if you don't know it that's fine it just means that we've tried to reproduce studies in social science and have been unable to do so for many of them like the the good ones like psychology so if you're comparing parapsychology to psychology then you're saying it's non-reproducible it's not evidence because we can't reproduce even the strongest psychology studies so the reason that your parapsychology studies are not evidence is because no, I, I never compared it with psychology i'm comparing the amount of papers with psychology the amount of justification verification yeah. of it well to be fair right. tom jump uh, uh the reproducible the reproducibility crisis is only i think in application to the social sciences as yes those are very hard to reproduce um so because because they're honestly i think they're crap the social science studies um i think i don't think this is applying to the specifically the kind of you know parapsychology you know psychology that he's talking about i don't think the reproducibility crisis has been as you know pervasive in uh, psychology because um, the methodology there is a lot more clear than in disciplines such as, you know, the social sciences, I think. Uh, that, that's the part where I'm saying no. The reason that the parapsychology research is rejected is the same reason as, as actually because it's weaker than all of the psychology research. So that's why no one in consensus of experts accepts it because it isn't reproducible. And the paper I referenced actually says the exact opposite. It, there's actually more justification for parapsychology than psychology. Again, praise. The consensus of experts have looked at it. They have found it in garbage and rejected it. Well, no, I actually show the consensus is for parapsychology inside the paper I referenced. So that's a direct lie. You're no. you're a pathological liar, Tom. Can, and this, can, you I'm quote, can, can we quote the paper or something? Like, I, yeah, I'd be, like, I I, I'm open to it. Well, no, I let me quote it now. So give me, a, give me something specific that Absolutely. we can sink our teeth into okay, here. Okay, so here, here's the paper again. The experimental evidence for parapsychological phenomena a review. This review is a meta-analysis. No, no, no. Something the from the paper, like an actual, what was an experiment that they did? Okay, so I'll give you, I'll even give you five. So give me one second here, I'll pull it up. Uh, while you're pulling that up, you mentioned that nothing supported what I said. The scientific consensus is that there is insufficient evidence to support the existence of psi phenomenon, quoted by Simon Higgert, 1995, Rupert Kogan, 1998, Charles M. Wynn, 2001, Terence Hines, 2003, uh, John Dilkvist, 1994, Opinions. William B. Dress, useless. No, 
consensus is the expert. These are all no, polls. Representing I, again, in my in paper, I, it mentions the consensus is for the validation of parapsychology. When they're wrong, because these papers wrong, are right. Like, no one cares about your opinion. Show now, me where it says that. I'm going to give show you. Me that these are wrong. So my paper yeah. says this is the consensus. I'm willing to bet if I just go to any college and ask them, I'm going to be right on this and you're going to be wrong 100% of the time. I'll bet you $1,000. I'll give you all. Okay. I bet you Deal. put $1,000 on the line Deal. right Definitely. now. Definitely. I'm going to go with all of these papers and do that for sure. Put a thousand dollars on the line right now. I challenge you. Okay. All right. What was the name of one of the experiments? Give me one of the names of the experiments. Okay. So so psychokinesis on random number generators, psychokinesis on living systems, ESP. Let's do that on living systems. Tell us what happened on the living systems one. Okay. So in the living systems, there were uh, biological uh, systems, mind, matter, interaction, or the psychokinesis, and more recently, some researchers refer to as the mental interaction with living systems. The ability to monitor internal functions of the body, including nervous system, using EEG and biofeedback technologies, has provided an opportunity to ask whether t- biological systems may also be affected by intention, which goes into idealism, which would we would say idealism is so how were the tests so how were the tests done tell me how the experiments were done sorry to interrupt uh you can go after praise but do you want to get into the moral argument after this like in like the after and like in like two minutes um uh, yeah, i don't really want to explore these studies like because that's going to be tedious so they isolated questions. different people and they put them with uh, some plants and some animals and uh so you can you can read about this all right, yeah, this uh, is what I'm just saying this is like this is the kind of stuff it's so useless to bring to a debate because like we can't get into the details of it. We can't know I, I like bringing this to me and I appreciate you did like the background stuff praise to kind of put something forward, but like what you would expect your opponents to do with any of this without proper time like to look over these kind of things and see how the yeah. tests are run to see the legitimacy of it. It's just not really much we can we can do there. Yeah, right. that was the exact paper that was brought up by the guy from New Thinking Aloud on my channel. So it is the one I've read. I did know I read it. And yeah, it's not evidence as the eight papers I just listed that do talk about the consensus. And if you can well, find no, mine is a meta analysis. That means I have thousands of papers being this, referenced. This is the consensus of all of the experts, no, not just the paper. No, so that's literally what I just quoted. The scientific consensus. That's flat out disinformation. I mean, the paper I just gave is in a meta analysis of all Please. papers. Meta analysis does not mean the consensus agrees with it you need to publish the paper and then get the consensus to agree well i mean you can check it, it out well, I, it's you're just denying it that's I'm not yeah, denying. let's move I've on to this paper. point uh yeah, go ahead, in past. yeah let's move on uh well i did want to phrase could you find where it says the consensus agrees then the paper because i want to read that part okay uh, later later is fine you can email it to me you guys, do you guys want to? I'm sorry. Do you guys want to discuss the moral argument now and then uh, wrap up and go into Q and A? Sure. Jump sure. right into. It. Let's let's give it about another five or ten minutes. Yeah. Go ahead. So, um, Tom John, as far as I've known, I've looked through your channel. Um, uh, are you a natural moral? Re- you're a natural moral realist. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. So, um, as far as so, how I would argue for a uh, God is, um, you know, I so I just want to object to the um. Uh, natu- to natural moral realism, which is, uh, for instance, that, you know, have you ever heard of the Izzat problem, which is that, you know, it, it's faulty to make statements about oughts, which is based on statements about what is, because I think that's what people like Sam Harris, you know, and uh, Sam Harris, who wrote um, the book on objective morality would suffer from. 
the Izzot problem applies to both natural and supernatural and God. It applies to literally anything. Um, but mine solves that problem, and so does most models of natural moral realism because we get rid of the oughts. Um, so that doesn't apply to natural moral realism, but it does apply to a God. Well, well, I guess if you would, if you were to construct a specific kind of argument, then yeah, I guess someone can make the Izzot fallacy, but it's a fallacy. It's not just like in every single instance of God and natural moral realism. I guess the the reason why would uh, the natural moral realism specifically would suffer from that is because um, it makes a claim that, you know, dopamine, like this is Sam Harris specifically, I don't want, I'm not quoting you on anything, but he says something like um, dopamine goes up and therefore, you know, it's beneficial. And that would be an exalt fallacy. And that would be an exalt fallacy. So I'm not sure if you make a similar argument like that or. You no, know. the natural moral realism gets rid of the oughts. Like if you just go to the Stanford Encyclopedia, go down, there's Cornell realism and there's one Jackson realism, I think is where it is. And it goes through how you can get rid of the oughts in a systematic way and just take them out. So you don't need the oughts at all for an objective model morality. But again, the is problem and GE Moore's open question argument apply equally to natural and supernatural. They don't, it doesn't apply specifically to natural. It applies equally to both. There's no more or less. Okay, so but you but natural moralism, sorry, natural moral realism would make the claim that you ought to objectively do certain things, right? Like you, you would agree with principles like you ought not to murder or you ought not to steal, right? They're secondary principles. So morality is purely descriptive. If you kill somebody, that's immoral. It's just a descriptive statement. And then from that descriptive statement, you can say if you want to be immoral, if you want to be moral, you ought not do that. But the ought is irrelevant to the morality. It's like it's immoral whether you ought to do it or not. Okay, well, where would be the grounding of um, the immorality of doing such a thing? It's a description of reality, the morality. So if you say something is heavy, that's a description of its gravity. So you can have moral statements be descriptive without any kind of oughts. Oughts are secondary. It's like, well, yeah, I weigh, I ought to lose weight. The ought doesn't change the fact of your weight. So it can be an objective fact that you weigh this amount, regardless of your opinion on what you ought to do. So morality, you can say it is immoral to kill people. Uh, and that's just a fact of reality. And your ought statement after that is just irrelevant. You don't need the oughts for morality. Well, morality is by – well, wouldn't morality be an ought statement? How can it be an is no. – I just, I just want to find out how, why you think it's an is statement. Is this like a hypothetical Stan categorical imperative kind of argument? No. So Stanford Encyclopedia Philosophy, the definition of normative ethics, they give you a formal definition of what it means. There is no ought required anywhere in that. That's just an assumption theists, most theists have about morality. It's not actually at all required. Well, um, could you could you lend me to the Stanford Stanford Encyclopedia? Yes, Stanford Encyclopedia Philosophy definition of natural definition of normative morality. Yeah, because that's actually because that's actually very interesting. Stanford, the yes. idea that morality can be based on is because as traditionally known, like when like for instance, um, if you go around, um, an example. Yeah, that's the actual the page itself is the definition of morality. Stanford Encyclopedia Philosophy the definition. Well, the question would be, why is it immoral to go around to steal or commit murder? Like, why is it immoral to, you know, do an action like do do a so-called immoral action? Like, wh why is that the case? Uh, it's descriptive. It's like, why are you heavy? Well, because it corresponds to something in reality. So immorality and morality are a thing in reality, and it corresponds to those, whether your action did or did not do those things. Right, fair point. But um, but why is it? But maybe the question should be, why is it? But how is it the case? Um, well, that depends on the model. There's lots of different models. My particular model says that morality is an emergent property like fitness. And so it's uh, a feature of the world, kind of like how animals are 
more fit if they can survive in more environments. It's more immoral if it moves us further away from the best of all possible worlds. So you just create a principle, and the principle, if it corresponds to reality, is what would measure whether or not the action is moral or immoral. Um, and, and how would you support that? I make novel testable predictions. I have like a whole papers on it, lots of videos. Okay, so as far as so as far as morality goes, so when we t so going back to the um, topic of a description, like if you say you know this thing is heavy, like you know you're grounding it, like how how this is heavy, um, can you empirically prove it? In the same sense, how would you empirically prove that a certain um, that a certain action is wrong? I guess I make novel testable predictions, just like the weight. I'd say that if there is this objective morality, then we can see it through all species that have a certain um, intellectual capability to be aware of the the principle and throw if we discovered other alien species they'd all come to these same conclusions and as we grow our and with our intellectual and technological capabilities our moral intuitions will change in this way there's lots of different predictions you can make on that front um so so morality can oftentimes vary come completely differently to say to say that to say that it's grounded in humans wouldn't make sense because once again um you know it, right it, i'm not going to say it's grounded in humans i'm saying it exists in reality independent of humans and it affects humans Right. So again, so again, I'm not sure if you exactly, I'm not sure if you exactly answered this question, but how, again, how is it grounded? How is so it again, like fitness, fitness is a thing that exists objectively in the universe. There are certain organisms that can survive in more environments than others. That isn't grounded in humans. That's grounded in reality. So morality is an emergent property of reality like fitness. So it's true independent of humans. We just experience that property of reality, just like every other animal. Yeah. But then how, yeah, but then it's not odd because the odd is a totally different thing from what you're talking about. It, 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 it suffers from problem because what you're again referring to is 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 what I'm what I'm remember, oughts are gone in my model, oughts are gone in many models. You don't need oughts for morality. Yeah, but yeah, but I, yeah, but I would argue that morality, for instance, is based on oughts. I mean, I'm looking I'm looking at the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. It is saying that morality is based on odds from, from uh, No, it doesn't. I actually have the, de the quote saved specifically of where it actually gives the definition of normative morality and it specifically does not entail an odd. I can find that for you and email it if you want, but it does not at all. And there are many, like just going to the moral, natural, naturalistic moral realism, it specifically gives like 10 examples of things that don't use odds. So no, it does not require that at all. All right. Okay. You guys, yeah. um, you're ready to kick it over to Q&A? Yeah. Yeah. Here I mean, there, I think there's a lot of unfinished stuff here. I, I, I mean, I did kind of want to, because I did kind of. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Uh, in the normative sense, morality refers to a code of conduct that would be accepted by anyone who meets a certain intellectual and volitional conditions. That's it. Was, there's no odds at all. Kind of a red herring. Um, you know, that's not exactly what we're what we're talking about, though. So normative means the ought-based morality. So you can have a ought-based morality without the oughts, essentially. So you don't need the odds to have an objective how, moralism. How, you, how, how, how does the Stanford Encyclopedia prove that statement through a logical argument? Um, through the other lots of pages that they have there. I'm just giving the conclusion here. So you'd have to read the paper. Yeah, I, I would have to read the paper. And once and once I read the paper, it would be an interesting discussion to continue upon. Um, this is obviously a much longer discussion than we currently would have. But I guess I guess I guess to wrap up what we're talking about, it's um, um, T Jump is making the claim. So I brought up this that problem, and he's making the claim that. Um, it's actually not based on autism. It's, it's uh, morality is actually based on is this, and I would have to read the various papers on that. Honestly, I I have way, I have a lot to learn on this, and I have, and uh and yeah, I'd be happy to read uh, uh I'd be happy to read the papers that you sent. Can you send it to me on email? Uh, it's the same one. The definition of morality. Did you find it? No, but like no, but like 
it references papers, right? The word you send they're at the bottom. They're they're at the references at the very bottom of the page. Um, where do we send it? Uh, you want me to send you the link to the definition of morality on Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'd like to... And tune in next week for the debate, Ought We Believe in Oughts, coming up next Thursday, T-Jump versus Greg. All right, I put it in the private chat. All right, we have, uh, we have a lot of questions, and I'm not sure we'll get to all of them, but I'll try. Um, so we'll uh, go ahead and jump into that, and then yeah, I'd love to host you guys on that discussion if you want, or um, teach up. Feel free to do it on your channel or whatever. But so we'll jump into our Q and A section here. Um, I'm gonna push all the super chats to the front of the line, um, just because they paid, um, and we will go ahead and start with Stephen Steen, that nasty guy. He says, "I know Tom isn't above it." But how far has Skyler fallen? He is now debating a preteen plus a flat earther. Converse always looking fly. Not a preteen. Oh, Steven. I mean, he's oh, even copying my chair, too. What is this? God. First of all, I'm very at them calling me a preteen because, first of all, I, do, I even, do I sound like a preteen? Like, I, I just don't know. <laughs> No, uh, like Greg is a teenager, and um, and uh, to be on here debating, that's pretty good. Uh, but Stephen Steen, he's a troll. He's a, he's a nasty guy, man. You, you, you got to watch he wasn't, him. He wasn't being serious. He yeah, actually respects he just you is, a lot. Yeah, oh. he's just joking. He doesn't respect praise, though, but, but he does, he does yeah. respect you. <laughs> All right, so our next Super Chat from Spart344 says, Converse, for, for praise... I had a debate with music analysts on this very topic last night. He was more coherent than your opening. I don't know. I'm thinking that. I guess, I guess yeah, that's burn, yeah. end of story in that one. You know, by praises argument, we can just throw it out the window. Okay, whatever. All right, thanks so much for that. Uh, Stupid Whore Energy, $5 Super Chat, thanks so much, says, Does praise have anything more than anecdotes, preferably... An amputee that was healed by prayer. Yeah, actually, there is a, a documented case of that, and just give me one second. I'll pull it up, or I'll give it. I'll give it to you after. Go ahead, uh, Converse. Should have led with that one today. That would have been that would have been a good one. All right, definitely. <laughs> Sarabia, thanks for being here as usual. Five dollar super chat says, "T jump, praise one, prove." Uh, parapsychology wrong because it exists as a science. So science is wrong. It's pseudo. Says science? Apparently not. Yes or no? Oh! Yeah, uh, yeah it's pretty obvious as I've addressed in the opening. There's lots and lots of papers published on lots of different fields. Most of them are not accepted because they are not repeatable. They don't convince the consensus. There are papers that inspiring philosophy quotes about nonsense about how the universe is in a hologram and we're in the matrix. You can publish papers on anything pretty much as long as you know how to write a paper. That isn't evidence. It's true. So you'd have to actually have it affect the consensus, have the people who are ex experts in the field verify the information. That's why you're publishing it in a journal in the first place. It's not like you published and you're done and you have evidence of your conclusion. That's not how it works. You publish papers to convince the consensus. The consensus have looked at praise as evidence. They find it completely unreliable, which is why the vast majority of experts reject it. 
The fact that it's published in a journal doesn't make it good evidence. The fact that it's accepted by the consensus is what makes it good evidence. So if praises can convince the consensus, that's great evidence. So that's why I was interested in him finding his quote where he's mentioned that in the paper somewhere. All right. Thanks so much. For um, it's ahead, Smith. It's, it's Smith Wigglesworth with the, uh, the guy with the uh, regenerated leg or whatever you want to call it. But also... Um, Smith I Wigglesworth? I was going to say, that's an awesome, very interesting name. <laughs> <laughs> Smith but, uh, Tom's wrong on that. The consensus, that is... Uh, it's, it's, that's, that's a fallacy. It's it's uh, becomes a, uh argument from when you have the uh, authority. So it's an argument from authority at that point. No, it's not. Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy fallacies number nine argument from authority. Arguments from authority are only fallacious when you're not quoting true authorities, like the consensus. And there's experimental proof of that anyway. Man, that's a tough one to not crack a smile at. Wigglesworth, bro. Smith Wigglesworth. It's almost like um, I'm, I was reading uh, one of the uh, Norris um, mythology books, and it's written by a guy named Snorri. That's his first name. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> Snorri Wigglesworth would make a really good name. So, all right, our next super chat, five A's from Virilian says, what does Praise think of the published peer-reviewed paper that there is a black hole in the center of the earth? Um, I have to look at it, so I can't make a claim on that. But I will say appealing to a consensus is a conflict of interest, so that's why it should be uh, repudiated. All right, thanks so much. the opposite of that, but okay. All right, we have T. T. Tubin, $10 Super Chat. Thanks so much for that. Says, no question, just thanks for bringing great discussions. Thanks to all the debaters. Here, here. Well, thanks so much to you. Stupid Horror Energy, another $5 Super Chat. Says, the physical distance of the ratio of the diameter of a circle to its circumference is a an infinite number. Pi. I think maybe that could have been a reference to infinities. Uh, yeah, Greg? Greg said infinities are impossible. She's saying yeah. here's an infinity. Wait, what? I didn't hear the question. Pi, pi is an infinity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, I think that... No, I'm, I'm trying to say something different. <laughs> okay. Pi is a description of something, not not a tangible set of events that are occurring. I mean, like, you just completed two different things. Like, you're just saying, pi, pi describes something, and it can be infinite. But when I'm talking about an actual infinite, I'm talking about something a little bit different. I'm saying an infinite series of events cannot occur. The key, to, like this is this is description versus no. Okay, sorry, I'm going off. Now. This is events versus a description of something, which is pi. All right, thanks so much for that. Next five dollar super chat from Gabriel K. Says is praise smoky? Is praise smoky? If so, I sense a lot of doubt and depression in his voice. Promise you it can all make sense without God. Uh, so maybe oh. that was just more of a comment. I don't know the, is yeah. Prey Smoky? I'm not sure about that part. Like, is that a... Yeah, I'm Smoky, guys. Yep, that's me. Um, okay. I didn't know if there was something deeper to that that I don't understand, but... <laughs> 
No, well, I think I like praise better than Smokey. All right, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> All right, our next super chat was from General Balzek. He just had a five dollar super chat, no question there. But he does have another question, which let's see if I can't pull it out here. Um. All right, it was just okay. Here it is. We might need some slow mode. Okay, so that was just really a question about the chat. All right. Next, $5 super chat from Jamie Russell says, What argument, argument, not I know a guy, do the atheists have to deny the prophecies of Daniel if they don't know why are they so sure it's invalid? Well, I imagine jumping. I think that's, I think that would be, I guess, switching the burden of proof. The burden of proof, I guess, would be to prove, you know, that Daniel's a story not for the atheists, to prove that it's not. Like, I'm, I'm not taking any sides here, I think, but, but I do think that's shifting the burden of proof a little bit. Skyler knows more about Daniel than I do. I don't even know what they are. Yeah, I wasn't even paying attention to the question. I'm sorry, I was doing something. Oh, that's unacceptable. Yeah, that's such a bully. That's unacceptable. Some, some about I'm, Daniel and their uh, I'm deducting prophecy. five points for, from your side. Yeah, right. you, you, they asked about how can we not? Why don't we trust the prophecies of Daniel? How can we refute them without? Yeah, because they, they didn't. They didn't work. They didn't come true. <laughs> I mean, that's you can go watch Doctor Josh Bowen's video on Digital Hammurabi. He's got a detailed breakdown of how these prophecies did not happen. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's why. All right, it's very simple. Sunflower five dollars. If uh, planked propose that electromagnetism electromagnetic radiation only exists in discrete spaghetti packets would that have discredited the underlying core theory i'm not sure that one's too um no like you could say that it's anything you want it to and if it makes tesla predictions you get the credit for it so it wouldn't have undermined anything even if he said it was magical god being if he's able to make testable predictions that counts all right gabriel k five dollars says i don't get the hype about meta-analyses it's the laziest type of research prone to so much bias so much cherry picking um i disagree i mean it's universally accepted amongst most scientists that meta-analyses uh are the most you know reliable way of going about it because what they do is Let's just say you have a cross-sectional study, right? A cross-sectional survey of what people think about something. Awesome, right? But that's but that still wouldn't prove the assertion. Let's just but now let's say you have two hundred of those um, studies, which all confirm the hypothesis that people love tigers. One thousand cross-sectional surveys, um, which which say that, and five which say people hate tigers. And a meta-analysis would just point out, point the fact that you know you have a cross-sectional survey. You just multiply that by a thousand, and you have a meta-analysis. So it's just basically one study, just I guess even better because it just because it's just a review of all of the studies to see whether they're invalid. Because if there's a because if there's a meta-analysis of something going on, I'm sorry if I'm going on a tangent too much, but and then there's uh and then there's one study. I could just cherry pick studies and then say. Here are two studies which prove my assertion, but then there's meta-analysis which says no, that's not true. So like, so, so like meta-analyses are really like you know the defining factor to whether an assertion can be trusted or not scientifically. I think. 
All right. Anybody disagree or want to add to that? Or are we moving on? Well, yeah, I think the point wasn't that meta-analyses are bad. It's just that meta-analyses are only good when you can, they have like verifiable science behind them. So if you have a meta-analysis of like a bunch of physical tests that have been done to come to a conclusion, that's great. But usually when you have that many physical tests, you don't need a meta-analysis. It's just science accepts it. So you don't have a meta-analysis of physical data of protons because we already know the protons work. So meta-analyses are usually limited to cases of things that are not well supported to try and bolster support for them or something along those lines. It's, they're not usually very reliable at convincing anybody in hard science kinds of ways. Yeah, I, I would agree, actually. <laughs> All right. Meerkat SK5 sent in a $15 super chat with no question. So thanks so much for the support. We appreciate it. Just had a super chat come in from... Jupiter Darman says, for praise, are miracles from other religions, i.e. miracles in the name of Allah, proof of those other gods? Just looking for consistency. Yeah, I would say that the devil is a great deceiver, and I would say they're demonic. Even see, What people don't understand is that, yes, even the dark side, we call the dark side the devil, Satan, his workers... In his kingdom, they can do miracles for people all the time. So it's not just God that does miracles. There is also demonic powers as well. All right. So we'll, uh, we're moving out of Super Jets to our regular questions from the chat. Korag Nightwolf, first question for praise. Where's the evidence that Jesus cured the person's laryngitis and not voodoo? Um... Well, that's actually a fair point. Um, but <laughs> even if it was voodoo, you would have to say it transcends natural paradigm materials, materialist um, dogma. So I would say that's a fair point. But I would say that maybe the context behind it and the prayer would probably be the best explanation. But we couldn't prove it, I wouldn't say per se. All right, next question. Well, voodoo is considered a natural thing, so it wouldn't actually out, go outside of the natural phenomenon. It's just an unknown natural thing, so that wouldn't, wouldn't work. Natural the gaps. Voodoo, they consider it to be an unknown natural force. Are you serious? Are you saying yeah. voodoo is a natural force? Yes, the people who worship voodoo think it's a force They're of spirits. They're, they're poltergeists. No. No. All right, okay. so our next okay. our next question comes from Samuel Lil Jom. I don't know how to pronounce that, but uh, it says, um, if the specific arrangement of matter in order to convey something is language, does the arrangement of something in reality come from God? If so, what is that? You, do uh, I need to try and reread that one, or maybe, yeah. If the specific arrangement of matter in order to convey something is language, does the arrangement of something in reality come from God? If so, what is that? So I'm not really sure who that's too, but yeah, it sounds like the design argument. Um, um there's a couple of things that I would say. Um, Language itself is non-physical. There's, 
even if it has symbols, these symbols are, again, non-physical, they're immaterial. They convey um, some, it's, it, they convey some type of language that comes from a language giver. So I, I think that's what that was, that's the argument anyway I would give, but Greg, you're welcome to uh, jump on in there. Um, could you kind of repeat the question for me again? Sorry, I didn't hear. Yeah, um, and I'm not sure who it's really to, but it, it says, if the specific argument of matter in order to convey something, or I'm sorry, excuse me, let me start over. If the specific arrangement of matter in order to convey something is language, does the arrangement of something in reality come from God? If so, what is that? Um... You can just say skip if you don't get it. All right, skip. All right. Didn't really understand that. So the maverick question, uh, why do we seek meaning if our purpose is solely survival? Nihilism should surely be so much more prevalent if there were a reality. I would say we just create our own purpose. I don't think, I think, you know, usually typically in life, you know, you, you talk to different people, they have their own purposes they believe in, right? If you're talking about like something even like deeper, like evolutionary, like a biological purpose, I, I, I guess survival to a certain extent. But uh, I, I think as we, we have more freedoms and we evolve and things are more complex in our society uh, and we have the ability to have time to actually desire things greater than just survival, you know, we create a different type of purpose. Uh, I mean, I mean, you look at like, I mean, not that long ago, you know, a hundred, you know, let's see, 1800s, 1700s. Like, I mean, people weren't living, depending on where you were, like average age was like 30 by the time you would die. I mean, you didn't have much of a life at that point. So your, your basic everyday life was survival and living. Uh, but yeah, I think when we talk about things now, it's more about your own purpose you create. I mean, I personally think, like, from a like from a metaphysical perspective, I don't think it's that interesting of a discussion. I think the most interesting discussion would be uh, the existential slash and or epistemological, I guess you could say, not really, um, interpretation of it, which is, is it actually beneficial to have a nihilistic set of beliefs or a Christ or a Christian set of beliefs? And that gets into a really interesting discussion. I have a few, I have a few papers on like Dostoevsky, this guy on my profile. Uh, he argued that it's necessary because um, nihilism has its own um, bad consequences, like in the Brothers of and Crime and Punishment, and Demons too. Um, but yeah, that's a topic for a different discussion. But I think it's yeah, that's that it is a very interesting question. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I just noticed that James, whoever made this background, put at the top where debaters come to die. <laughs> <laughs> that must be like a scholar fiction reference. Yeah, I used to say where Christian apologetics come to yeah, die on the channel. That's pretty funny. I just realized that. Oh, man. All right. So a um, couple more here. Um, so the same person uh, says, uh, Samuel Lilholm uh, says, can parts with a purpose systems like language which convey meaning come from anything other than intelligence? If so, where and how? Put it simply. Boom. 
Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's just a physical force. So, for example, if you have a divot in the beach and the water rolls up on the beach, then the worms will sense it, or the bacteria will, and they'll just sit there and occupy the branch. It's not just worms. Any kind of chemical process like crystals will sense the, will read the divot by just its physical properties, will sit there and accumulate, and you will build up sand crystals. So any kind of physical distinction that can be interacted with by a second or third source is a language in a way. There's no difference between uh, crystals forming on a beach and English. It's just a different kind of reading system. There's, there's nothing about it at all. It's just Shannon information theory, the definition of information. Any stochastic system can produce information. Yeah, and I, would just, I disagree. I would say that languages have... Uh, grammar. They have co- they have different laws and rules to it. And I would say no. That's not part of what Tom's talking about. No, yeah, it is right. just of physics. It's written in physics. Thanks so much for that. Uh, Josh Joshua Vickers says, "Ask T Jump if he understands the definition. By definition, he failed. LOL." Um, yeah, definitions are not evidence. You have to actually show your definition is true. So if you so I, I define um, computers as my left foot. You define computers as a processing machine. Like one of us is going to be right, one of us is going to be wrong. You can show that. Like it's not. You have to show your definition is true, not just make up a definition. Well, so, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Greg. Uh, uh, I would kind of disagree there because definitions are just, you know, things which we would go off of, which we would have an argument about. If you're arguing one definition and some other guys are arguing some other definition, then it's not really a debate because you have to assume certain things in an argument in order, in order for it to make sense. Because um, if, you, if you're, because if I say um, a bunch of words and I say a bunch of definitions, like the definition of sparkling water, crackers, um, aircraft controllers, and then Tom Jump thinks, and then Tom Jump has a different definition of it, and then I'm talking about a different definition of it. Then, then, it's, then, then we can't really debate. We have to assume certain things in order to, um, in order to logically, you know, make or check if something is sound or if it logically makes sense. Uh, that's only in the definition. But if you say this definition exists and did something in the world, well, then that's where the definition can disagree. So you have one label for this thing. And I say that label and those properties are wrong. So that's where you'd have to actually show it. So it's not just the definition. You're claiming there's a definition and it did something in the world. Well, the problem is not in the definition. The problem is in the thing. Right. So if you say a rabbit knocked that cup over, I say, no, it didn't. I'm saying a lizard did. It's, and I'm just going to call that new lizard a rabbit or whatever. Then the problem is which one of our, which one of us is right. It's not about the definition itself. It's about which one of us is right. Oh, so show your definition is correct. That's, oh, that's we we might have misunderstood. I might have misunderstood what you were saying. Yeah, that's where that's maybe where this where we got where we were going around in circles. I didn't quite understand. I apologize. Um, True, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, let's see. Our next. Well, the Maverick had a follow up to their question. Says. Um, why do humans become depressed and suicidal when they have no meaning if nihilism is a RW? I don't think either of us are nihilist, Tom or I. Well, I mean, nihilism 
feelings and logic have nothing to do with one another. You can have uh, great yeah. feelings while being completely illogical. So why people get depressed has nothing to do with whether nihilism is true or not. Like people can believe in a God, even if there's no God and they can be really happy about death, even though they're not going to experience anything like your feelings yeah. do not necessarily correspond to reality. So the truth of a position has nothing to do with whether or not it makes people feel good or bad. He might be referring to, uh, um, he might be referring to the like he was making. I think there's a couple of statistics which show that nihilistic people tend to be more likely to be depressed and more likely to commit suicide. I think I think there's a few I think there's a few papers on that um, that a lack of meaning leads to lethargy, suicide, depression, things like that. I think maybe that's what he was talking about. But yeah. I don't know if you guys are nihilists, though. Right. So, but that was my point: is that the belief itself, whether or not it makes you feel good or bad, has nothing to do with its truth. The truth and the feeling you get from the belief. Has nothing to do with its truth. Yeah, I agree. But I think he's. But then again, that gets into metaphysics versus existentialism. I think he's making an existential point. You're making a ontological point, which is like, yeah, which is like, should you believe in something if it's ontologically true, or should you believe in it if it makes you feel good? That's 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 a different debate, though. All right, uh, Neko Blask asks Greg if he agrees with praise that spontaneous remission isn't a thing. I have no research on that. Yeah, and my point is, I don't. I think Tom was just jumping to conclusions. He needs to demonstrate the spontaneous remission is the same in cancer for laryngitis, which I actually have part of it right now. Anyway, it's kind of weird. Um, you know, this the spontaneous remission thing. Um, I might have to disagree with Chris here. I don't. I. I don't think there is good enough evidence for a psychopathology no what was it called again well he's talking about the miracle where the guy's voice got healed right now that's where he's yeah i'm not i'm not sure about i'm not i'm not particularly sure about that um i think i i mean i don't think i think it is it would be kind of god at the gap inserted god into that <clears throat> but um but yeah i really need to do more research into this stuff yeah if you if you look at the backstory it becomes not the god of the gaps because you learn that there's no wiggling room to pu push in any type of naturalistic naturalistic phenomena aliens maybe it was aliens i mean maybe aliens came down and zapped his throat boom there All we right. go our and next our magic, magical magical technology. it's not supernatural if it was aliens it'd be very natural well then talking about no, it need it would need to surpass natural paradigm. That's the point. No, it doesn't. Like you, you can heal people purely naturally if you have alien technology. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So our next question is for praise. It's, um, I don't know if you pronounce this Zon, but um, it says please ask praise if he's a flat earther because he sounds like one. I just want to know. Um. I'm more of a pear earther, like like Neil deGrasse. All right, thanks so much, Praise. Our next question is from Flum six six six. Says, how can a non physical have any effect on the physical world? And if your God is outside the universe, how can it have any effect on the universe? Yeah, I think that's a canard that God is outside of the universe. No, that's not what we believe. We believe he transcends the universe. There's a difference. But he can be um, within this realm and different dimensions at the same time. He's a multidimensional being. So I'll let Greg, if he wants to jump on in there, go ahead. And um, 
Sorry, sorry. What was the question? I was in the bathroom. That's fine. It says, um, how can a non-physical thing have an effect on the physical world? If your God's outside the universe, how can it have any effect on the universe? Because it's not just not because it's not just physical things that can cause physical beings to exist. I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not really sure. Like, there's no. I don't think there would be any evidence to suggest that. They have to be of the exact same category, as those categories are arbitrary as well, like physical, non-physical. It's not like it, I mean, I mean, it, and I'm sure non-physical thing can cause a physical thing to exist if it's quote unquote omnipotent, um, so to speak. Right. And there's and there's no you know defeater to say that it can't. So the next question is actually for you, Greg. It says it's from Shusa. It says Greg. Are you misunderstanding S5 in Rasmunks and Proust's contingency argument? S5 says that something that is possible is necessary, is necessary possible, not necessary. Hmm. Something that is possible is necessarily possible, not necessary. No, I think he's got it right. Like Rasmussen and uh, Plantinga's modal logic is that if something is if it's possible to have a necessary being, then that means it's not possible, it's necessary. So they're confusing the definitions of possibility that make it this strange uh, strange use of the word possibility. So if it's possible there's a necessary being, then by their definition, it's not possible for there to not be a necessary being. I actually asked Ben Arbor about that in my live debate with him. Yeah, that was interesting because last time I spoke with Ben, he said that you didn't really accept S5 as being fully legit. Do you, st do you still... You still yeah, don't really made up. Okay. It's a made up language game, not accepted. Awesome. I was just wondering your opinion. All right, Greg, did you have anything to add to that about um, S five logic and uh, the Rasmus uh, Rasmussen uh, Proust's contingency argument? So I'm correct. This is about modal logic. Yeah, they're they're saying that um, that S five says that something that is possible is necessarily possible and not necessary. S5 is a kind of modal logic. I mean, yeah, I would have, yes, I would accept that, yeah. Okay. All right, so C.M. Gould, our next question says, question for praise, did God know you needed to give evidence for this discussion? Why did he, why didn't he give you any? Oh! What was the question? Burn. He, he just sunk He's my like ship. <laughs> he said, um, <laughs> if God knew that you needed evidence for this discussion, why didn't he give you any? Oh. <laughs> no, maybe it was just uh, telepathically through some aliens. I don't know. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, next question from James Hogue. says, question for praise. Do Matt Powell and Smokey Saint believe in the same God you do? Oops, I was on mute. As far as I know, yes. All right. Dale Wilson says, can we get praise to define the word prescriptive? Um, it means to uh, prescribe. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. All right. Let's just get to a couple more questions and get out of here. <laughs> All right. Uriah Christensen says, ask praise if he believes in an anti-foundationalist coherentist Needs to be needs to account for laws of logic. 
yes, they do. Or um, I would say that uh, you 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 uh, you can see that you have an inferior worldview. Otherwise, all right. Uh, who's an anti-foundationalist? Like, so I'm a foundation. All the models I prescribed were foundationalists, and so we do. We have the foundationalists, but we also account for the laws of logic as just descriptive things humans made up to describe reality. So most philosophers, like the definition of logic is just as a formal language made up by humans. Everyone accounts for logic just fine without a god. No, but see, logic isn't reduced to brain, so no, by definition, that couldn't even be the case. Uh, <coughs> you're confusing the words and the things they're describing. So the words that we made up for logic are just in the head. Logic, law of identity, law of logic, law of non-contradiction, all in our heads. But they describe things that exist independently. So are you okay? So do humans have brains? Yes. Our brains physical. Yes. Is logical physical? Is logic physics? Yes, logic is just the ideas that exist in our brains. They're physical ideas, physical neurons firing, just chemical. Well, then, can you show me the, the, what it tastes like, what it smells like, and can you show me what's the texture of it, and what is yes. it? You can it, literally weigh it. It's just a certain kind of chemical function really, you, in the brain. You, you can weigh the laws of logic. Yeah, how, much idea, does, how, much, how much does the law of non-contradiction weigh? Uh, when you have that idea, you have a certain chemical firing in the brain. It has a certain weight. You could literally measure it. I want to see it. Well, can you show me it? I want to see what it looks like. What, is, what does it look like? Sure. Once I get a detailed enough fMRI machine, I could definitely do that for you. All right. Let's move into our speed round of questions here. Um, we did have a super chat come in from Maya Asburn that says, Praise, seriously, you're opening. Do you believe that Ouija boards work? And congratulations to Skylar and T-Jump. The debate was over after Praise's ridiculous opening. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I actually do believe Ouija boards have been shown to have some results into the parapsych parapsychological realm. And I just think people have a bias. They really haven't done research on it. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's their fault, not mine. So I'll just leave it there. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, let's answer these last few very quickly so we can get to a few more. Alex Gordon, for praise. Unfortunately, your argument says the word necessary doesn't demonstrate that God is a necessary precondition for the laws of logic. Demonstrate necessity. Um, preconditions for intelligibility. So you need intelligibility, intelligibility to even operate anything rational off of. All right, thanks so much. Critical Chris says, how is the PSR valid if it states that it states the only two options are contingent or necessary even though a brute fact or an infinite regress are logically possible um that wouldn't that wouldn't logically invalidate it um if an infinite regress um i argue that it was not possible um due to mathematical problems such as uh, what an actual an actual infinite minus an actual infinite would be um what was the second thing you mentioned uh it said uh, if, if yeah, if it only has if PSR is valid, if it only states that the only two options are contingent or necessary, even if or, or even though a brute fact or an infinite regress are logically possible. Um, so brute facts could be explained um, either necessarily or contingently, and a brute fact is something that currently has no explanation, not something that by necessity does not have an explanation. So. Yeah. It could be either, actually, in philosophy. Either one of those apply. All yeah, right. but yeah, and I would need such. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so our last, uh, it's, it's actually a statement from Adam um, 
Albilia. He wanted to say, statement for Greg. I enjoyed your honest discussion with T-Jump. Hoping for a follow-up soon. T-Jump, sharp as always. Skyler, first time not dominant, but still great. Praise, well, at least you're not DD. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. All right, so that looks like it's it for us. Um, is there anything anybody wants to add before we take off? Yes, there's an after show in Smokies, and I, I'm, I'm probably going to try to get over there. I, I recommend anyone try to get over there. It's going to be pretty cool. All right. Anything um, from the other side? Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. Thanks for Skyler for coming on. Thanks for Skyler think- for co-moderating with me. <laughs> <laughs> this was a good time. Yeah, it was a good, yeah. it was a good discussion. This is a good, discussion. this is a good discussion. Um, I hope to get more info on T Jump's moral theory, as, that, as it sounds very interesting, and I might have to um, reconsider some, and I might have to actually reconsider some of my views on normative ethics. And uh, yeah, this was a really interesting discussion. Thanks a lot. Awesome. So we're gonna uh, go ahead and take off. Just uh, hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Press the like button if you like this type of discussion. It lets us know. And, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, in the chat and for the debaters for being here. And, as usual, keep sifting the reasonable from the unreasonable.